Hello, hello, and welcome to Late Night Gaiden, your home for the holidays. I'm Nick. I'm Ryan. And we have shown up today with a bountiful blessing of delicious gyros. I've got a gyro. I've got a snifter of brandy. We're bundled up here in front of the fire. We're just having a wonderful holiday time. And we thought that, you know, while we sit here and enjoy our meal, it would perhaps be the best time to sort of think back over our year in games and about, you know, everybody's doing their game of the year stuff. Uh, but, you know, while we, while we eat these, we'll come up with our uh, game of the gyro. But Nick, if we're eating gyros, won't there be a bunch of disgusting licky slappy noises on the track? I would have hoped you had more trust in my editing skills than that. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to offend. Listen, there's a whole lot of stuff that I do during the record that you never hear me do. Just consider that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, every time that you don't hear me making a gross chewy slappy noise on some just deliciously seasoned meats and setziki sauces, just thank Nick for that. Every moment that you don't hear that. I'm like the Santa of not putting gross things in your ears. Mm. That's the that's the worst analogy. I'm sorry. All right, <laughs> let's let's go on. Nick Corn, the Santa of not putting <laughs> gross things in your ear. I'm putting that on so my Nick, business card. It's been a tumultuous year. There's been highs. There's been lows. There's been median points, I suppose. What, 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 what have you, like, enjoyed this year vis-a-vis -vis the world of video games? Well, as you say, that is a wide subject. And I'm just trying to think back. I'm thinking about what came out this year. That was great. And uh, let's see here. Not too long ago, we had Galaxy. That came out for uh, yeah. PC and PS4. Not playing that game is one of my great regrets. It's it's real good. I picked that up. Um like it just feels so good and it's like it's got that combat puzzle and thrust vectoring that owns the skies. Mm. So it's real fun to play, but it's also just real hard. Like it forces you to play really like safely and then it just punishes you immediately. So it kind of I was talking about this uh, in another place, but it would, it's one of those, like, when you say Masocore, you think of, I want to be the guy and Kuroshi and just like. Kaizo Mario, stuff like that. Yeah, games that are hard because they do things you wouldn't expect. This galaxy can be hard, just like in a way that you see coming, which is more frustrating than anything else. Mm. Um, what else was there? Uh, I I'll think. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about a game that I played this year. What'd you play? Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate? That was you, this year, wasn't familiar, it? Are you familiar with the Monster Hunter series, Nick? There's a gun hammer. So, Monster There's Hunter, Hunter dumplings. Oh, yeah. Um, Monster Hunter is one of those series that, like, I like a lot, but I definitely see why people don't. 
Like it's it's a really specific taste. Um but I really enjoyed Monster Hunter for you this year. Um like every every Monster Hunter game is like a slight incremental build on the last one. And I think it's actually been kind of interesting that they've been willing to like tack on and take away things between games. Like for a while they were playing around with like, what if we went underwater? And then they decided like, oh no, actually that's bad. Um, and so they don't do underwater stuff anymore. Um, but like, I really enjoyed the new weapons and new environments in this most recent one. Um, and actually like what was most surprising to me about it was that they supported that game with like DLC for a really long time. Like that game had a really long tail on it. Um, just outside the normal loop of like, you know, Oh, you did the normal rank. Now you go up to high rank. Oh, you did high rank. Now you went up to G rank. Like they kept releasing like special, like mini campaign quests even. Um, and like all sorts of weird, uh, you know, there's like a Shonen Jump armor set and shit like that. Hmm. Uh, I think it's the same, probably the same sort of strategy they like that went into Splatoon, sure. where it was like, yeah, all of that stuff was on the disc, but you know, they meted it out in a way that I think made it really enjoyable over kept, a stretch of time. Kept people coming back for a while. Yeah, didn't, didn't let it fall out of the public consciousness. Like, there's there's still so much stuff. Like, I've played. I don't know how long. I don't want to go across the room and go get my 3DS and see specifically how many hundreds of hours I've put into that <laughs> game. Um, but like, there's still, you know, all sorts of stuff for me to do in that game. Monsters I haven't seen yet, like DLC quests I haven't even attempted yet. Like, there's just such a, a, a huge amount of stuff in that game. Yeah. That I really love. The, the change that they made of like adding more not verticality, but sort of aerial maneuvers to the game. Hmm. Like the, uh, what's it called? The bug lance? What's, what's the name of that? The glaive? insect, insect, insect glaive, glaive. I think it's called. Um, that actually very quickly became one of my new favorite weapons because it, it, it gave you more verticality. Like suddenly you're jumping hmm. around and dodging monsters in new ways and just being able to rodeo pretty much anything in that game had, that's really in its favor for me. Um, yeah, it, and like I think they were really smart with how they they integrated that new system. So like you can in in Monster Hunter for you, you can now like jump on the back of monsters and like grapple to them, and it's a whole like new system that wasn't in the game in the past. And like the way that they wove that into like the existing uh, weapons and things like that, like I think they kind of have to tread a pretty fine line with Monster Hunter because like parts of that game are so set in stone at this point. Like if they made a really significant change to how these weapon classes that people have been playing for, you know, years and years and years work, I could see them like pissing people off, but like they added new weapons and made just like these slight tweaks to, to old ones to bring them like in line with how the game works now. And I think they were really successful with how they did that. Yeah. Like that's, I haven't put as much time into it as you have, but that is definitely a game where if somebody says, hey, let's play some of this, I am down for that at, at any time. Yeah. Uh, something that we both got to play a bit of that definitely deserves a mention, I think, is Mario Maker. Mario Maker is a great game. If I had a Wii U, like it would probably be one of my top five games of the year. Um, but just like as a spectator of that game, 
I, it just makes me so happy that it exists. So can I tell you what the thing is and why this isn't one of my top five games of the year? Sure. The thing that I think Mario Maker was most successful at is reminding me that Super Mario World is possibly <laughs> the best game ever made. Damn. Because um, it's, it's no other Mario game has up kicks. Up kicks? When you when you toss the shell directly upwards, such as oh, yeah, to, yeah. to hit a block to release a P switch, and just like being able to spin jump to ride upon uh, otherwise damaging objects and entities, like they changed the spin jump mechanics in Mario Maker though, because you can't spin jump on a buzz saw. No, yeah, like they changed some of it, but what is it? You can uh, bounce a Karibo shoe off of a, a buzz saw, so that's pretty fun. Okay. Yeah, like, the... It's weird that some of the longevity... Like, people just make levels for that game, and it's great. And there's definitely been this... I'm really glad to see that there's... It's really weird, because, again, we were talking about Master Core games. And Mm. a lot of, you know, Kaizo Mario very much came from, like, well, what if you were expecting Mario, and instead the game just shit on your face? Um... (laughs) And it's weird because I would say I would say in your sandwich. I would say they shit in your sandwich. I wouldn't say on your face. Well, listen, in your sandwich, on your face, it all ends up the same color in the end. <laughs> I don't know what that means, <laughs> but it's Mario Maker doesn't allow you to do things so out of the ordinary. But what people there has been this trend for like there's not really people making like just like calm levels that you just go through every everyone is trying to come up with like a new gimmick with an existing Mm. set of of you know very established set of rules and objects and such Mm -hmm. but just like hard very hard levels exist that are are interesting because they're demanding within the rule set we know they're demanding and hard and even sometimes surprising without Mm introducing anything new apples don't fall up in this game there aren't even apples in this game (laughs) but sometimes you just go i need to do what with a p-switch and that's sort of invigorating and i'm glad that that's actually the way that the the community has trended Um, yeah like i guess technically it's always been possible like like maybe it was possible in the super mario world engine to like go in a door the instant you jumped on a pow block yeah. But, like, Nintendo never wanted to do that to people. But now that they've given those tools to everyone, like, now people can poke around and see, like, oh, if I do this and this in concert with this, some really heinous shit can happen. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's not necessarily that it's hard or surprising, but just it is – it. it dem- it's very demanding. People are making very demanding levels. Um, mm. just in, in a way that we haven't seen before. And I think that's really refreshing. And like, I haven't really played Mario Maker since we did our little, um, uh, exquisite corpse experiment with that, mm. uh, which actually that level has been a bit more popular than some of the levels I made on my own. So whatever, but really, okay. yeah. Um, but I feel like my contribution to that was middling at best. <laughs> I haven't really played it since we did that. Because, so it's like, it is interesting to see what the new demanding part was, 
but and you know the actual if you have a gimmick in mind and you have ideas you want to play with the art the the act of creation is so easy and fun in that game um but just as like a thing that exists sometimes i look at it and i just go like no yeah i want to go back to mario world and it makes me want to study mm. you know the pinnacle of those games even more because you know the, there are things that are in there that just don't exist and there's things about you know the like, like like everyone was saying since it came out, like the lack of being able to make, you know, a series of levels to create a sort of themed and consistent mm-hmm. world set, um, which um, I'm, I, I, I often think about when we started to work on one of those in Super Mario Brothers X, and I'm sad that we never got very far with that. Um, yeah. Actually, after doing Mario Maker stuff, that'd be interesting to go back and try working in that again and just be like, well, things I know now, let's see what works. Um, yeah, but it, it's just the game is great because it makes me very it makes me think a lot about Mario and why I like it and what makes it good but as like a game that you play and as a tool set like it's great but I don't I it's not something I'm going to pull out all the time it's, it's there mm. and it's good and I'm glad that I have it but it's not it hasn't really held me in uh, all this time Gotcha. Yeah. Do we want to say anything about Splatoon while we're on Wii U games? We should say something about it because so many people are into it. Like with Mario Maker, like I think Splatoon is a good game and I'm happy that it's there, but it's not a game that I've personally played myself. Mm. Yeah, like I have it, but... There was nothing real, like, and yes, it's good, it's solid, and it's fun, but there was really nothing in it for me beyond just, like, you know, leveling up to unlock more weapons and playing dress up. Like, it's, even, even with the, you know, drip of content that they've updated it with, you know, whether it's on the disc or it's new or whatever, you look at it and you go like, well, here's another variant of that gun that I don't use already. Um, new levels are good. You need something like that. Um, actually made me think about, uh, today's world and how we, you know, you don't have games that have major, like, user-created levels anymore. But what about Mario Maker? In, in, like, a, a competitive game okay. environment. Like, a, this, this ain't Unreal Tournament anymore. People are not just dumping out crazy levels for people to fight each other on. Um... All right, uh, Splatoon, what else was new this year that's not on our top five lists? I mean, two games that uh, are not on my top five list that are, like, pretty huge games are Fallout 4 and MGS5. Yeah, Fallout 4 isn't on my list either. I know um, some people around here have really loved it and, like, put a lot of time into it, but... I don't know, like, how come it's not on your top five? So, it's a good game. Like, I, I, I've I, put a fair bit of time into it. I haven't finished, like, you know, a main quest or whatever, but, like, that's, you know, that's just Fallout. kind of my history with those games. Like, uh, I wasn't really into Fallout 3, but, like, I never beat Fallout 4. I never played through the main quest in Skyrim. Like, none of these games have ever done that, but, like... 
I like I like some of the changes that it's made to the formula, but like in a lot of ways, it is just like another version of a game you've played before. I put enough time into Skyrim that that's probably the the one of these games that would have made a top five list. Like I finally understand why the fight was so contentious between uh, Saints Row the Third and and Skyrim. And like I was so hard on that Saints Row side of that argument, mm-hmm. uh, whatever year that was that they both came out. Thirteen um, was that twenty thirteen? Not earlier. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it might have been eleven or twelve. Um, I have no concept of time. Right. But like, yeah, at, at some point, and I don't want to say this as an insult. But those games are structured a lot like dumpster diving. Because, like, you can find treasures and they're out there in the world and all you got to do is go look for them. But, but you got to wade through a lot of trash to get there. Yeah, like, it's 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 less about sort of traveling through an actual world. Like, it is. But, I don't know, to me it always just feels more like, well, here is a big open world. And if you want to find all the things into it, you just sort of, like, scrape through every building and every character as you walk down whatever path you pick. Yeah. Um, And, like, that's not a bad thing. And the things that you find are well-crafted, and they're great, and they're good jokes, and they're good scenes, and they can be interesting characters. But sort of, like, your your gameplay loop is structured kind of like dumpster diving. Um, And, I mean, in Fallout 4, like... I literally do a lot of dumpster diving. Yeah. Um, which I do appreciate how they sort of changed the, I don't know, I guess like the economy of what you value in that game. Like in previous, like in Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 3, like you wanted to pick up copies of the gun that you already had so you could keep using the gun you already had by stripping them down for parts so you can like, so your gun didn't shatter in your hands. Um, but here it's like you need to go find literal garbage like broken desk fans and old radios and like cans of paint and stuff to take it home and turn it into upgrade materials yeah um gonna run into flip lighter on wkrm 76 the whiz he's my favorite radio host mm-hmm. easy listening yeah, gold plated gold plated flip lighters are the best because they got springs like and oil and steel in them yeah and gold all of these are great. Yeah. And I I love what they've done with sort of the customization on the armor and the weapons and increasing the way that you can play dress up and giving it gameplay impacts. Like, I want to put jump jets on my power armor, so now there are specific things that I'm looking for. And, like, I've definitely, much of my sort of perk decisions have been a result of what do I want to play dress up with next. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the reason, like, Fallout 4 is good, and I'm looking forward to putting more time into it whenever I get time, but it didn't... Again, like, for me, those games are about finding things more than they are about doing things, and Hmm. between, like, 3 and New Vegas, and even going back to 2, there is plenty of stuff in these games that I still haven't found, so it just sort of adds on to the pile of things for me to still look through. Yeah, and it's... it's Kind of a weird quibble for me, but, like, maybe it's just that it's happened over and over again in these games, and it's kind of just getting, it's kind of grating on me now, is, like, the way that they set up, like, 
bandits, like raiders and super mutants as just kind of like, these are the people that it's okay to murder. Um, especially when like there's moments in Fallout 4 where like you find, like one thing I found was like a raider and you can tell he's a raider because like his name, like, you know, it says raider at the bottom of your screen in red and he wears like, you know, strapped together football armor and a weird mask and stuff was like mourning at a grave huh and i was like oh shit what what's going on here like and then i walk up and like the dude is instantly hostile and tries to murder me so like obviously you need to kill him but it was like oh you were just having like a weird personal moment but you know you're a raider so obviously you're hostile to me um and like there was another part where like I went through this raider camp and like eventually found like one of their computers because you got to hack all their computers. And there was something talking about how like a member of their band had been like kidnapped and taken to another place. And I was like, oh shit, was this like a potential quest line where like I could help these people like find one of their own who was like kidnapped from them? And I was like, no, of course not. Like these people were instantly hostile when I saw them. Like they're the designated murder fodder. Like I have no idea. There's no other way to interact with them, but like. Why is this stuff even here then? <laughs> well, actually, because in New Vegas, there was definitely, like, faction alliances that you could do. Like, you could just walk through, if if you made friends with the right people, you could just, like, walk through Kaiser's Legion camps with, like, impunity and actually talk to people. Um, and, like, one of the places in Boston is the Combat Zone, which is, like, cage fights that raiders go to and watch. And I wonder if there is a way to get on, like, the friendly side of raiders and to make that a place that you talk to instead of just murdering everyone as soon as they realize you're there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Like it, it, it's a good game, but there is something about being more of the same. And also hmm. like what they did to the conversation system is I think really detracts from the overall experience. Just That's enough they, about yeah I, of that though. We're not here to, to talk about, you know, to, to shit on games. Yeah. Um, one more thing I do want to talk about uh, while we're still talking about new games. Uh, Nuclear Throne is now officially out. Mm. Um, and this is a game that I'm shocked that it's not on my game, my, my top five list. Uh, but it, I do need to mention it because I f- it's... Like, it's one of my favorite games... It's one of those ones where it's like, I've put so many hours into it, and I love playing it, but there's a part of my brain that just says, like, but this is not necessarily of of great importance, in a sense. Like, it is something well-crafted and well-honed and should be admired, but maybe isn't the most important or, or isn't the most uh, impactful. Hmm. Um. Because, you know, it is what it is. It's like a roguelite, twin-stick shooter-inspired shoot-fest. And, like, it feels so good. And the way that they're balancing the sort of interesting thing that they've done with the weapons, the, like, finely honed and applied amount of screen shake and and stuff like that. And just, especially, it's interesting for their business model because of the way that they've been so transparent and so consistent and, like... They stream their dev once a week, and that's mm. just cool. Like you can just go there and talk to the dudes as they're working on the game. Um, and it's 
you know, we've we've talked about this before. Like, I like the games where there's one thing you are given, you are given one task, and you're just tasked with getting like really good at that one thing, which is mm. just you know, dodging and shooting. Like, I like this game as a, a bullet hell kind of shooter, even though yeah. you know maybe it is about trying to spray bullets more than you are avoiding bullets by by the end game. Um, it's just like I I need to mention it because it's so good. Yeah, and it's, it's a one great of my game. favorites. But I think maybe it didn't hit my top five because the ambition of the game is not in the scope of the game, but just in sort of the the craft of the execution or the execution of the craft of the game. Like it's a game that is very very well made, but what it is isn't ambitious. They were just like, we're going to make this thing of this certain scope. And we're going to make this thing the best it could possibly be without trying to be the best of mm. everything. You know, it's not a big open world. It's not a big, you know, since it's been in early access, we've seen like all of the levels and most of the weapons and most of the en- enemies, like, like all of those things are sort of known quantities and they are still improving them. But now it's like, well, we're improving how they appear and we're fixing all of these bugs and we're doing more balancing. It's not, it hasn't really, at a certain point, it stopped growing as a game. But just the parts, the parts that were within its sphere, just kept getting better. Do you think that your opinion, like, would be different if, like, it had just, you know, emerged fully formed rather than had like this super long lead up? Well, so I'm going to tell you this. That's a really interesting question, and we should save that. Because uh, hopefully not too much longer from now, we're going to get Enter the Gungeon, which mm. is similarly doing, here's a game with lots of guns and lots of, you know, wacky things and procedurally generated and characters with abilities and very much all of the same, just with like a more comical tone. Like, I think there's going to be like a mailbox gun that shoots letters at people. Um, but they have, they have very... Um, explicitly taking the opposite stance of like we're like closing our doors and windows and we're working on this game and because we want everyone to be surprised when it comes out like we want to overwhelm Mm. people we don't want them to you know know everything by the time we're releasing it so like the opinion of that game will be tempered by you know having seen games of the same kind like nuclear throne that have already come out but the idea of what is the game like when you see it you know because like i first became a fan of that game when it was made for a game jam like two or three years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be interesting to compare it to something like, here's something that we knew about but did not get to play for an extended time until it was you know, done and ready to be released. So uh, that's a really good question, and I think we have to come back and talk about that later. Sure. Do you... Hold on. Do, do you hear something? I think there's somebody at the door, Nick. Oh, who is that at our door? It's me! It's Andrew! Hello, Nick. How you doing? I'm doing okay. We're just going over our uh, games of the gyro. Of the gyro. I remember that gyro. It was a tasty gyro. So, what are your, uh... What did you play this year that stuck out to you? Give me, give me your top five. Okay. Um, well, here's the thing. Okay, okay, let's bring it on. Let's start this now. I don't think, looking back over the year, I don't think I've actually played through a single game that was released this year. 
Through no fault of my own. Uh, sure. I, I'm not looking at these games with disdain. I'm not uh, turning up my nose. Um, I do not have a single next-gen console within, I want to say, 20 miles of me that I have access to. <laughs> That's impressive if you can measure by distance. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of games I would have liked to play, a lot of games I have dabbled in, uh, but I have not played through. So I have a really long backlog. So hopefully, after this uh, holiday season, I will be able to... So once we get into 2016, I should be able to play 2015 games. That's how it works. Yeah. But that is not to say that I have not played any video games. Of course. Um, Alright. What would, do you got? That would be silly. In no particular order. Um, but I'm going to start with this one because I spent pretty much the entirety of January playing this game. Um, and that is Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. Um, I had been, I've been playing that game since it came out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it was my roommate's game, uh, cause he had the Wii U. And so when I, when we, like, graduated and all that, he took the Wii U away, and so I couldn't play anymore. Um, but I got to continue playing on my friend's Wii U, uh, and, like, unlocking all the things for him. Mm hmm. Cause that's what I really liked about it, was just, like, all the adventure maps and doing all the weird, battles and stuff was it was really fun it's a dynasty warriors game <laughs> I, so that's the thing a lot of people picked up on on hyrule warriors even though it's just straight up a dynasty warriors game like i've played yeah. a bunch of other dw games but like this is the one everybody likes for yeah, some reason I, I don't know they did it well i mean there's your weird story mode um there's your cool all the characters with their cool moves um, and they did really good with, like, the adventure maps and doing those a little bit differently, uh, depending on what kind of game they're basing it on. Just making um, it a, a whole bunch of different, almost like challenge rooms. Yeah, it, uh, exactly. Sort um, of gave real variance to the way that the game plays, which is something that was missing in a lot of other entries. Yeah. Uh, so that was really fun. Um, I'm semi-looking forward to the new release of whatever they bring out for that that's coming. The Hyrule Warriors. Uh, Legends? Legends? Yeah, that's the thing. The 3DS one. Yes, that is also having characters on the Wii U. It's weird. I don't know yet. Um, it's going to be weird to see how exactly that shakes out. Yeah. I just want to play a king who turns into a boat. Okay. Oh, I want that too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, that's, so that's Hyrule Warriors. Came out in 2014. Played it a decent chunk of 2015. It was good. All right. I had fun with that. Um. So the What's second, next? the second thing on this list is actually a couple games, but I'm putting Good. them. In one, I'm put. I know. I told you this list is weird, but I'm putting it in one group. Okay. Uh, and that group is Pokemon ROM hacks. Okay, I see where you're at. I've been playing Pokemon ROM hacks on my PSP. Um, I like 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 what, what's what's the like if people were gonna go check one out, which one would you tell them to check out? Um, go check out. Uh. I, I have the three that I like the most so far are uh, Pokemon Snakewood, which is a Pokemon game that takes place after a zombie apocalypse, except the zombie apocalypse is the smallest apocalypse happening, because there's also, like, a demon apocalypse happening. <laughs> um, okay. And then Dimensions Intertwine and this other I can't, this other game series, I can't remember the name of it, um, shows up. It was another game pretty much like Pokemon, but I can't remember what it was called. It shows up, and you fight them for a little bit. Um, you could fight Kamina on top of a mountain. Um, 
like the first gym leader uh, uh, is a certain pink-haired guitar-playing girl who rides a yellow Vespa. Okay. Um, All right. I see where they're going with that. It's funny. The story is great. Yada, yada, yada. It was really weird, really good. Um, the other Somehow one I, adding even more fan service into a Pokemon game. Yes. Another game okay. I played was Adva- a Pokemon Advance Adventure, um, which is the one where your rival is a vicious psychopath who has taken over the world. Um, you're super poor. You start out with a Togepi. Go okay. save the world. All right. That's a pretty good setup. Um, and then the other one, which I really liked, was called Dark Rising. Um, and it had, you start out with, it's a really hard game. <laughs> um, uh, like, I was at, like, the seventh gym, and I had to have, like, level 80s. Ooh. Yeah. And you start out with a dragon type, which is cool, and they added a bunch of Pokemon from later generations, but in, like, sprite form, which is cool. Which so, is, I, I was going to say, uh, like, you've been bringing all of these up because they've had interesting, like, story hacks, but has there been any, like, interesting mechanical hacks about these games, or has there been uh, any new yes. stories oh, to definitely. play through? Uh, well, they're new stories. Um, a lot of them have, like, like Snakewood and stuff has a lot of new Pokemon and, like, infected Pokemon and stuff. Um, and, like, a, there's a couple new types involved, um, and they do cool things with the maps and hide, finding secrets and stuff. Hmm. Um Dark Rising has a lot of the later Pokemon that they sprited back, uh, so they're just really it's 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 Pokemon. But like I don't like I said, I haven't played the latest Pokemon because I don't have a 3DS. Sure, <laughs> so I, yeah. But I wanted to play more Pokemon, so they had ROM hacks, and there's a lot of ROM hacks out there. Um, yeah, and they're, there's, they're there's actually like two different ones that I've had my eye on for a little bit. They're 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 enjoyable. They're, they're good. So that's that was the the, the number two on my list. Um, right. in no particular order. In fact, I am not actually reading these in the order I wrote them down in front of me. I am picking them at random from this list. Even better. Uh, All right, what's the next random one? <laughs> the next one is, uh, and it had to be on here, and it is Minecraft. Um, okay, yep. Because I've been playing Minecraft consistently since before it came out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, however you want to count that. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Um. Because it's continuously entertaining. I do different things on it. I build things. I find different mods, etc., etc., etc. Try to get a server working. It's the yeah. fun part of Minecraft. Like that's the, that's sort of the amazing part of Minecraft. And like, there's a lot of people who look at it and go like, "Well, this is something that for some reason has a lot of longevity for like little kids because it's basically digital Legos." But mm-hmm. also, like with the modding community and like the the sort of like server specific communities that can crop up like it's it really has a lot of like user generated legs on it it's it's amazing have you played any adventure maps i have not they have been really good at like because because you have access to all the like modding and stuff you can people have made adventure maps which are basically video games in like you don't necessarily mine and stuff you're going through a story and like collect fighting monsters and bosses and stuff and Completing stuff and people are really creative, <laughs> and you can just download these adventure maps and have fun with it in Minecraft. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the next official update of Minecraft. Um, I mean, Minecraft I could do an entire discussion on completely, which I'm not going to get into. But uh, needless to say, I've been playing a lot of that this year, and I probably will continue to play Minecraft. Okay. Um, two left. Two left. Uh, so the fourth one is called Kittens Game. Okay, this is not Robot Finds Kitten. Uh, no. Uh, though I did play that on at least five different, um, 
things this year. Um, but Kittens Game is a browser game, uh, a bit like Candy Box or Firelit Room. If you play right. those, it's basically like that. Okay. Um, in that you start off really small. You have like a basic item that can, number that keeps going up or whatever. Um, and then you can buy more upgrades to get more things, and it unlocks more things, etc., etc., etc. In this case, you have kittens. Um, they're growing catnip. Um, you build a village into a city. You unlock technologies and trade. Um, I just unlocked theocracy. Uh, <laughs> okay. I have to start sacrificing unicorns, the sun god. Um it's getting kind of crazy, but like I really like these kind of games. Um, I played, yeah, you do. Oh, I, yeah, no, because I, I really like the kind of like upgrade games um, and stuff. Uh, I'm curious to see where this one ends because like there there was another one I played called Swarm Simulator, which was fairly okay. entertaining, but it didn't really have like clear progression or an end. It was just bigger, bigger numbers. Sure. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, Candy Box and Firelit Room did kind of, like, have a story and a clear kind of advancement as you went along. So I'm curious to see where this one goes. Um, to see my virtual kitten. I haven't had so many virtual kittens since uh, Door Fortress. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Actually, I, I almost brought up Door Fortress when you were talking about adventure maps. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so Kittens Game, it's a game you could play on the browser, and so I do. And occasionally I'll... I'll have it open in a tab, and I'll flip over, and I'm like, ah, yes, I have collected enough hunters to send out into the wild to bring back furs to increase the happiness of my kitten population. It just know. seems so weird, it's, but okay. It's weird. It's, I don't know, but it's great. It's, All right. It's great. Yeah, um, it, like, a lot of people say that those didn't, like, after Candy Box came out, like, even Candy Box 2, which was theoretically, like, bigger and better, but just, like, they lost some appeal because it was a trick that we'd all seen before. Yep. Yep. But... Um, yeah, I, I continuously kind of find more of them, and they each kind of have their own um, unique spin, which so far has been good. All right. Um, so finally is a game that has actually been released in 2015. Oh, I my God. have not actually played, though. <laughs> so how did it get I, on here? So I played it a little bit. So I have technically played it. Um, okay. I have not really played through it at all because I do not own it. Uh, but this game, this game is Bloodborne. Right. I really, 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 really like this game, and I really, really want to play it. <laughs> all the yeah. Way through. Uh, like, cause everything I've seen, everything, even the, the, the small parts that I played, it's it's like built for me. I love it. The, cause, especially because um, it seems like it's even closer to Demon Souls than Dark Souls was in in certain ways. It is kind of, but it's also well, it's very different in um kind of how you're fighting because you, you're you're not really like fighting defensively or anything you, it's a lot more fast-paced and stuff mm-hmm. um and like it has it all in in terms of the actual like fighting mechanics or whatever um i'm pretty like whatever this is kind of cool and kind of fun um though it has some of the problems with dark souls 2 in that difficulty some difficulty is moderated just by giving the enemies bigger hp sure and that's not really Good. Yeah, it's not, um, like, interesting. Like, that's that's what made me really angry at later parts of Dark Souls 2. Because the one thing I liked about Dark Souls and Demon Souls was you could pretty much generally kill any enemy as fast as it could kill you, as long as you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of... You know, but, uh, so the main things I really love about Bloodborne is, like, 
So the combat and stuff is is fine. I like it. It's enjoyable or whatever. The main thing is just the aesthetic, the just the lore. It's just so beautiful. It's the exact kind of genre that I love. Um, nothing has done. I haven't really played anything that does like Lovecraftian horror as well since like Eternal Darkness, and that's amazing that they did that in an action game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I just love the, like the lore and the background and just oh so great i really want to play it yeah you're just frothing over there waiting to get your teeth back on it i gotta but so i got that's that's the thing is i gotta get a ps4 to play it but i also want a wii u because there's a lot of wii u games i want to play well we already got a wii u so you should just come over here and hang out to play those games that's we got hyrule warriors that's already fair. that's a good game um yeah yeah because there's all the wii u games that i played when they came out um because i well, really enjoyed like wonderful 101 um uh, I've been I I play like Smash Brothers and Mario Kart off and on at my friend's house, that kind of thing. I, I was gonna say we're at the part where is there uh, any th- any other games you want to mention that you enjoyed but did not quite make your list? Um, yeah, I guess I'll just start name dropping stuff. Uh, all those Wii U games I played when they came out, <laughs> like Monster Hunter Three, which I have over three hundred hours on. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> um. Wonderful 101 was okay, enjoyable. Bandetta 2 was really great. All these stuff from 2014. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I, yeah, so I haven't played Splatoon yet. I haven't played Mario Maker yet. Um, I haven't played Metal Gear Solid 5 yet. God, yeah. God. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played Fallout 4 yet, of course. I don't really plan to, actually, though. I'll play it eventually. <laughs> But it's not really high on my list. Um, All right. Um, and a lot of civil, uh, Civ Five. I'm still playing Civ Five a lot. Yeah, you, especially you seem to have picked back up into that as sort of like a downtime. Yeah, because I, I like doing that while I'm doing something else. Like I'm, I'm trying to get all the achievements on it now, so I'm just kind of going oh, through okay. each character and doing their thing. Uh, it is interesting. So yeah, I play a lot of video games this year. Not necessarily from this year. You know what? That's all right. All right. Uh, well, thanks for dropping by and sharing your list with us. Yep. Do you uh, you want some of this gyro before you head out? Um, what kind of gyro is it? It's it's gyro. It's made of gyro. It's made meat. of gyro. Gyro meat. Yeah. I guess that's pretty good. But uh, as you can guess, I prefer last year's gyros. Fair enough. Uh, I'm just gonna leave through this uh, duct here. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Bye. So, I don't know about you, but I played a bunch of old games this year, too. Yeah. Things I didn't get around to when they were originally released, or things that I just revisited in a real earnest this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Valkron, Valkyria Chronicles the First, is, is high up on in that category. I would agree. So, Valkron, Valkyria Chronicles, like our entry to the series, both of us started with Valkyria Chronicles 2 on the PSP, right? Yeah. Like, that I think was... I had seen the original before that, but didn't actually get to, like, sit down with it until 2. Yeah, like, I had an appreciation for that game, mostly thanks to uh, a Mr. David Riley, um, who you might know as a practitioner of fast karate. Um, 
but it was one of those games that I never owned a PS3, so I never got to play it until this year when it came out on PC. Yeah, it's it's really good. And I'm, I'm almost not sure what to say about this game because it is such a known quantity, but it is... Like, people will talk some dirt on Valkyria Chronicles 2 because one of the strongest things about the first one was the story about, like, you know, the shit people go through in wartime and, like, trying to defend yourself and your family and your hometown and how your dad left you a tank in the garage because, I don't know, family heirlooms. A family heirloom, a family heirloom tank is way better than a family heirloom sword or shield, by the way. And about, like, being instantly promoted when you go into the army because you brought your own tank and finding out that you're actually the successor to the ancient magical race of, like, Ubermensch. Yeah. Um, but, oh, but, like, like less than the overall story, like, the what they did in terms of, like, character development and, like, interpersonal interactions in that game, like, I remember that being pushed as one of the major victories of it. So if you're not familiar, Valkyria Chronicles is like a tactical game uh, that's a sort of like magical World War One happening, basically. Uh, but like, say, a Fire Emblem game, uh, your units aren't just like stock standard, you know, artillery, infantry, like they're all named units with like, relationship potentials and unique statistics and abilities and stuff. Um, and there's also, like in, in Fire Emblem or other games like that, you know, permanent death. So, you know, it's it's very personal, uh, I would say. Like, it, it's not a game about the the war and everything as, like, from an abstract level, it's like a game about the war and the people who are fighting in it. Yeah, like it does that interesting thing, sort of mechanics and story combination where like it's a tactical game, so you get that like overhead like it, it almost draws it like a blueprint, like very abstracted in the strategy mm. mode. But then as soon as you pick something, your real time boots on the ground, like you see your character's face and body as you run around. Mm. Like it it like yeah, like tying the whole thing about like the war front to the people fighting it it's on multiple levels it hits that really well um and it is like super anime um like that's it it got more intense in say the second game where it was like you know your cadets at the military school but only you can fight the war because of like bureaucracy or whatever but you're all like teenagers and one of you is like colorblind because of trauma or something. I don't know. It's like really weird uh, stuff. And it's like, oh, your brother is gone missing. I wonder what happened to him. I hope he's not secretly the enemy super soldier. Um, that's not the most anime stuff about that game, but that's all that's coming to mind because the rest of it is just dreck. Um, well, yeah, because you forgot about the blue-haired girl who doesn't have a memory and doesn't know what a soccer ball is. Oh, right. Yeah, she's like 12 years old and grew up in a laboratory and doesn't wear any clothes and doesn't know what soccer is. But she's also the strongest person in the whole game. Yeah. So you're lucky um, she's too stupid to be your enemy. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And like, there's a part of me that still wants to play more of the second one over the first one, just because, uh. Co-op missions are fun. Yeah, exactly. Like, being able to, like, I love that system. Like, I really do. Like, I love tactics games to begin with, but again, like, just like, it's, it's abstract, but then it's also like actual aiming and, and line of sight kind of stuff. So I just absolutely love that. Mm. Um, being able to do that with two people and like, being able to take two turns at the same time because there's two active players that like does insane things with that system. Yeah, and I think um, the co-op actually like it uses so Valkyria Chronicles has like not to the same extent that say Fire Emblem does, but it has a sort of relationship system where certain characters like enjoy the company of other characters and so when you're in their proximity, like you might get some statistical benefits. And then like the co-op mode like, if you have two characters next to each other and both players, like, start their turn at the same time, like, you're running together and you are you get, like, crazy bonuses popping off. Like, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that being said, like, the original Valkron is totally worth going back to because even without the, the co-op elements, that system is so solid and fun and well-built. And I think... You know, since the second one was a PSP game and did have this co-op stuff in mind, I think the missions are a little more samey as you go through. Yeah. Uh, but from what I didn't play too much of it, just again time constraints. But from what I saw of the original Valkyria Chronicles, they would do a bit more with like you know changing the missions or change yeah changing the objectives in the middle of a mission or like mm-hmm. you know suddenly somebody's coming in, sort of like story turns would occur in the middle of battles, and that's not something that you saw on the second one. So as a as a single player narrative experience, it's definitely the stronger of the two. And like some of the missions even had sort of like pseudo puzzle elements where it was like, okay, there's this giant unkillable enemy tank, like how do we slow it down enough to like get our troops into this valley that we've prepared with like landmines and artillery and things like that? Hmm. Um Yeah, they definitely do play around with like the the structure of missions. Yeah, it, it's it's not just, you know, do what it takes to capture the enemy camp. It's like, no, there's other stuff you're going to have to do much, a lot, a lot more unique stuff, kind of gimmicky, but you know, novel is, is a better way to phrase it. And sometimes, and sometimes you find a pig with wings that becomes the mascot for your troop battalion. Uh, I also like that. I could put a big old Sega logo on my tank in Valkron too. <laughs> that part was pretty great. Did you get to the part in Valkyria Chronicles one where you got a second tank? I did not. I did not even play that much. Yeah, you get a little mini tank. It's cute. Oh, man. It's really cute. Um, all right. Hang on one second here while I look up. What? When Chroma Squad came out, because I think that was this year, so. That was I this year. I chance to talk about it. Yeah, that was totally this year. Yep. Oh, what a good game. Um, okay. On, on a similar note, um, a game that I pretty much continued to play this year, I suppose, was uh, the modern XCOM, mm-hmm. uh, Enemy Within, uh, and specifically with the Long War mod, which was a mod by a bunch of folks. I think their names were like Johnny Lump and Aminari and a bunch of other people. If people um, go to our YouTube channel, they can watch you play that for a while. Yeah, so I got really into that game over the summer. Um and it, it actually became like a, a video series, like Nick was saying, if you followed my stuff. Um, like, I've kind of 
always liked XCOM. Like the original games were way over my head when they came out. Like I, I think I actually had, I had like a physical copy of the original XCOM when I was a young lad and I was just awful at it. Just terrible. <laughs> um, and like these new games are very different, but I just like, you probably know by now, like if, if these games are for you or not, but like, uh, I liked them a lot, but I felt I liked it a lot, but I kind of felt like it didn't have the legs that it needed to like be playable for more than like a campaign or maybe two. Um, but specifically like the long war mod just adds so much horizontal space to like customization and the things you can do on the strategic level that I kind of fell in love with it all over again. Yeah. I, I, because you got back into XCOM, I also got deeper into XCOM than I had uh, mm-hmm. in the past. And, like, I played a bunch of it, but this that game can kind of be two halves, because there's, like, the base-building, you know, strategy element about research and teching up, mm-hmm. and then there's the actual combat, and it's kind of why I don't need... That's, it's kind of the same reason I don't do RTSs. I can do one of those, and mm-hmm. I prefer to do the action part, but if I'm focusing on that, then I just fail because I have no tech or economy. Um, and the same thing happened to me in XCOM. Like, I don't know how long, like, I wasn't even playing Long War. I was just playing Vanilla, and I don't even know how long I would go, I would last in that before just the backing falls out from under my, my campaign. Um, which is, is interesting, um, cause, uh, I'll say here on a similar note, uh, Massive Chalice came out this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Double Fine, Brad Muir, uh, sort of XCOM game. That one had a similar problem because, that one, it's like you're waiting like 500 years for your super weapon to charge up to finally cleanse a world of evil, but you have to manage your warriors and their families and bloodlines while you're waiting, you know, centuries for mm-hmm. that to charge up. Um, and I was so bad at that. I got about 150 years in and I had basically like two people who were ready to fight and like a three year old that we were giving a sword to because we had nobody <laughs> no. else left. It was just like, listen, listen, I know you're a baby, but you got to fight these evil demons. Um, I'm just so bad at all of that. Um, which is why what I like, even though I got into XCOM, what I actually got really close to finishing and I want to finish. And I'll just say this again here, even though again, it was from this year. Chroma squad is a game that I got really into. Mm. Um, because that did have, it's from the guys who did, uh, the Knights of Pen and Paper. So, like, sort of would work really well on mobile with touch, but it also just means a lot of things were streamlined. But also, there's a lot of customization elements. And I, it had a really solid sort of like teamwork dynamic on the, the tactics combat part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, you get to play dress up with your heroes and your robots. So, my team was called the Vigilant Star Kings, and my giant robot was called the Starborn Dick Smasher. That's a name. It's really good because then, like, in the middle, like, it's based on, like, you know, old Sentai shows, and, or, you know, if you're familiar with Power Rangers. So it would just get to the part of the episode where it was like, okay, we've had two fights on the ground. Now we have to, you know, go to the giant robot fight. So he would just be like, like, infinite universe, hear our call. Send down the starborn dick smasher. And then the <laughs> robot just shows up and it was the best. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, that 
for that alone, it nearly got onto my top five list. Oh, I just needed to make sure that I mentioned it. Yeah, that's another game that I regret not playing this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, XCOM, like, the, the combat part of XCOM is, like, that's the game I want. I really mm. would love to get into XCOM as, like, a competitive game. Because, you know, it's, as soon as you just say, like, well, here's points, build your team, and mm. then go do the combat, I'm into it. Like, that's why I love tabletop wargaming and Brick Wars and all of that stuff. Um, and XCOM is kind of just, like, the combat part of XCOM is, like, a tabletop war game, except you don't need to pull out rulers to play. Everything is just taken care of for you, and it's, yeah. I love it. If the game was just that, I would have played it three times over, but the rest of it kills me. How would you feel about playing XCOM cooperatively? I'd be into that. Let's do it. How do we do yeah. that? Is that going to be in XCOM 2? That's coming soon. Oh, shit. Nick. Yo. Shit. Yo. All right. Sit tight for February. We'll see you oh, then. Oh, man. That's going to be great. <laughs> um. Yeah. So was there anything else, uh, any other, like, old games that you got into this year? Yeah. I got a few things I should mention. Um. I played through the Jill of the Jungle games this year. All right. Sort of on a whim. I don't have much to say about them other than, I don't know, they were big from my childhood. And, like, the first two games I remember I beat a whole bunch. The third one just gets strangely hard um, in a way that, like, I actually had to, to sit down and try really hard to get through that game. Um and also interesting to just go back to the idea of, like, Jill of the Jungle was shareware, which yeah. is, like, an early version of what we would then call demos and full games, and now what we've looped back around to with episodic gaming. So, like, yeah, I don't know. There's things to look at with that. It's like, no, this is, like, the same mechanical game. We just released more levels for it. It's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, like, I think I played the first, like, so there's, like, three episodes, uh, three games of Jill of the Jungle, and I think I played, like, it was like half of the first one was available as shareware or something like that. The entire first one is. Oh, the entire as first one. Yep. Yeah. So I I played that as a as a young lad as well, and um, yeah, that's a hell of a game. <laughs> There's something. It came from weird. It came from a place where games were just weird. Like just yeah. you're fighting giant ants, and your sound blaster card is making crazy noises. Like yeah. Stuff throw that a knife I, at a firehawk. Yeah, throwing knives. You, yeah, at some point you transform into a frog. Yeah, like, like some parts of those games are you fight you literally fight demons and lizard men on boats at some point in the game of those series. <laughs> like you know, like what happens in the jungle. Yeah, I mean number two is just called Jill goes underground. That okay? Just doing it. Gonna get real into dubstep or something? I don't know. Is that underground music anymore? It's not underground anymore. Dubstep died when it left the UK. Yay. I mean, um, there's, <laughs> the, the, there's something neat about those games because that was in an era where, uh, like, fanciful and sort of creative and novel still basically meant fever dream. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. as a holdover from the 80s or something. I don't know. Uh, very end of the the eighties. Like like now you do fanciful and you know things are a lot more meta and you know people can get creative but 
things are very brown all the time. Like things, people are better at making things, and so they are more strongly thematic. But then there's stuff that just doesn't make sense that we don't see anymore. And like mm. sometimes things are memorable because they don't make sense. Um, I get you. And also, I, I solved a very long-standing mystery about those games, uh, which is a level which I could not find anywhere in the games, but somehow I had a uh, save file for. And that's a mystery that I'm going to, to share the answer to in another podcast. What? But yeah, uh, so like... <laughs> That happened. Um, what I actually got into was Card Fighters Clash for the Neo Geo Pocket Color. <laughs> you wanted to Sorry? get more obscure? So, okay. There was a game. Okay, so you know how, like, the Neo Geo was a thing? Like, it was arcade games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they made, like, consoles and handhelds as well. Like, the Neo Geo Pocket. That, that was the handheld. Yeah, I, I, and I, I color read, one. And I then, read uh, Kawaii Kochans. I know about Neo Geo Pocket. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, so what happened, so you know how there's also, like, Capcom versus SNK fighting games? Sure. Okay, so what if all these things came together, and also, they made a card game? What if that happened, Nick? You get Card Fighters Clash for the Neo Geo Pocket Color. In this entirely, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Not rhetorical, not, um... Theoretical, hypothetical. Yeah, in this in this hypothetical fever dream of a game, <laughs> to use the term fever dream again. Hey, it's it's fresh in the mind share. Mind yeah. share. Uh, that was one of my favorite uh, abilities that uh, you could get in XCOM. I tried that once. I, I tried the sectoid squad. It didn't go well. You had a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then again, it also didn't go well for you when you had a robot. So. Yeah, uh, that game is so good. You've got to yeah. play more of that. Um, so, so you know me. You know I like weird card games. Uh, yeah, I I have the box set of Yomi Season One. I have a number of random Universal Fighting System card game decks, uh, like Samurai Showdown guy, and also Terry Bogart decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, working on my own sort of combat card game things. Uh, this one is weird because it's 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 almost like Pokemon in the sense that like it's an RPG and there's a world and the thing that matters most in this world is this children's card game. Um, this okay. thing that children do. Uh, so like you're going around and you're hanging out with your friends and then you're going to the tournament and you're like meeting people like. But it's also weird because it's full of like Capcom stuff. Like there is a Resident Evil themed haunted house in which they are holding a card fighting game tournament. Okay, so so Ryu doesn't canonically exist in this world, but no, there are card. He is in the card game. Yes. Okay, that's Um, very strange. The first thing you do in the game is you pick your character. The difference between them, aside from gender, is one prefers to collect Capcom cards and one prefers to collect SNK cards. So, hey, do you want, like, Jill Valentine in your deck? Do you want Geese Howard in your deck? I kind of want, um... Oh, what's her name? The the one that's dressed like a classy bartender. King? Yeah, King. I want King in my deck. King's actually a really good card to have. Um, 
So, yeah, like the card game itself is kind of simple. It's like there's abilities that you play as you play them or something else. Like I don't want to just get into a breakdown of that game right now. Um, but it's simple and it's actually pretty fun. And like it's not super competitive, but it is it, it's fun. And somebody actually went through the trouble of like creating versions of those cards that to like print and play. So you can actually play this in like a physical space. It could work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the original one, and I think that's the best one. I also went out and I got, I bought a cartridge off of eBay of Card Fighters DS or CS, which is the DS one. Um, uh-huh. and that one got weird because they come like the the concept is still sort of the same. Instead of like a world that you're going around, everyone is mysteriously in a battle tower and are kind of mind controlled <laughs> into playing this card game. Okay. Um, and they made it a lot closer to Magic the Gathering because every card is either you can play it or it has like a color affinity. So you could discard it in order to get that affinity, like to get like gem sure, resources. Sure. It's, it got really weird and it got, more complicated, so it might technically be a better game, but it lost some of its charm of just being like, yeah, I want to play Jill Valentine and Ken Masters and also King from King of Fighters on my team, and we're going to do that. And then Dalsim is going to punch you from over here, but also, like, it's just cards. Like, it's... The, the technically better one lost some of the charm, but the simpler one isn't necessarily complex enough to have staying power, but it's just... Like, using characters you already know in that crossover thing and trying to be a fighting game is something I, I really dig. So mm. I, I I just really enjoyed what time I spent with that this year. I do like the sound of a game with a, with a battle tower, though. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Um, like, Persona 3 is still my favorite. Yeah. Need more tower-based games. Um... You Tower gotta... of Druaga? Is that a thing? It sounds like a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got one more sort of new old thing we could talk about. What's the... that? You remember Carmageddon? No. Alright, you remember how there was a Carmageddon car... Kickstarter to make Carmageddon reincarnation? I'm, f- I'm vaguely familiar with rock and roll racing. Okay, well what if that was like Gross. Have you considered Total Destruction Racing 2000? No. <sighs> Carmageddon came out this year, too, and I actually... <laughs> I wish... I, I backed it on Kickstarter. I have it. I've played a bunch of it. And I really wish they had a different focus in that game. Uh, because, like, the way that they're going to sell it to you... Is like, oi, right, mate, you can, like, hit pedestrians, and we're gonna, like, call them conky in your bonkers, and... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? One of the collectibles in the game is dirty bushes. Okay. And it's just all real... It's like trying to have, like, an attitude that's real middle school and wasn't good when it was in the original. All right. The problem is, and the reason why I like this game is because they do some interesting technical stuff. Like, the like the car, like, 
they do things with deformation on the cars where like you could be going along and if somebody bumps you to the side and like forces you into a building it could shave off like the front corner and wheel of your car and hmm. you can keep driving on three wheels and just have to deal with that hmm um that's interesting like there's really interesting things going on with the physics engine um the actual like the default game mode is like hey there's three ways to win which is uh like crush all of your opponents and take them out of the race making it a car combat game uh actually winning the race so if you're good at being fast and maneuvering around what is basically like open world areas that just have like different like setups for like you know like turn signifying barriers like you can still go anywhere for any map but like there's specifically set up versions for each track mm -hmm. with like checkpoints and, and barriers and whatever gotcha um or there's kill all the pedestrians on the map which is something that they make you do hmm. anyway because those other two uh win conditions you're on a timer and the best like the most common way to make your timer go up is to run over pedestrians which, okay. yeah, that's gross, but there's a way to sort of, like, there's a way to ungrossify this game to be like, hey, you have combat, you, you know, like, like, there's a skill at combat, there's a skill at racing, and also a little bit of, like, resource management, you know? Mm. It's like, it's like, hey, I'm gonna Map go knowledge. get this, yeah, like, I'm going to go get this big cache of time in this secret area over here, because there are, like, secret areas in map exploration that's really interesting, like, well-made maps, um... And it's like, hey, I'm going to go deal with that. So I'm going to put these other two objectives off for a minute so that I can do them better later or, like, have more leeway. Like, there's almost a strategy element to it. Mm. Um, and with the deformation, they have power-ups that do interesting things, like, you know, freezing opponents. There's one that just launches a big spring out of your car that just pushes opponents into the air and throws them away. Uh, there's one that uh, is sort of like a, a booby trap power-up that just crushes your car into a pancake but leaves it able to still run um huh like it does these really neat things like with the physics engine and with the mechanics of the race but you can't enjoy it because they push all of the like attitude parts of the game front and center and it's really disappointing um but that said like I'm glad it's a game I have in a multiplayer context because the game is so interesting, like, it's fun in multiplayer. I've played it online mm. when it worked. And they've been doing more work to it to do a lot of, like, optimizations because it's real, like, physics calculation heavy. It looks really good. Like, they've, they've done a lot to do that to, to improve just, like, the looks of it. Um, it's just disappointing that, like, it feels like they don't know what the cool part of their game is. Like, there's parts of this game mm. that are really interesting that I love and that you don't see enough of elsewhere. But it comes at the price of just it's like, no, man, you want to run people over and you want to like, just like, no, I don't want to do that. Why did hmm. you make this your yeah. game? So, but like the parts about that game that are good, I think are really good and are, are worth sort of investigating. But it's like it's bogged down in, in like I can't recommend that it. That's the problem. It's like they've yeah. done like it comes at the price of you can't recommend this game, even though there's good stuff in it. Um so yeah, I just wanted to to get that out there. Like, I'll, maybe I'll do something with it later. But like, you know, do you do you hear something? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, 
Oh, who's that knocking at our door? It's me. It's RJ. It's your, it's your, it's your old pal, Uncle RJ. We haven't seen you for nigh on 20 years? For nigh on 20 years. What were, what, you came by to talk about card games. That's what you came by for. I did. I did. That was a fun time. That was before I hated card games more than I actually hate card games. <laughs> oh, man. You want to know what the best thing was? Yeah. Um, me and Andrew played a single game of Magic the Gathering. Like last weekend, and that was more than I could take. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. It's not. It's not fun. It's not. A, it's not a good time. <laughs> it's not a thing I'm proud of. Um. Okay, but now that you're here, uh, you should share your top five games of the 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 gyro. This has been. This has been. This has been hard for me. Oh yeah. How been, come? This has been hard for me because I've not played many games this year. In in all honesty, okay, okay. Did did you play five? I had to five, find five games that I enjoyed playing. Okay, it's hard because the majority of the games I play, like League of Legends and Heart Heroes of the Storm, I don't actually enjoy. Okay, I I know that feeling. <laughs> um, so I had to I had to like really search my brain, but I got there. So the the this these are in order top five. Uh, worst to first, least to least to best. Uh, number five is Smash Four. Okay. Um, I think that game is really good. You can play as like Red Luigi or like Doctor Luigi or like <laughs> Yellow Luigi. <laughs> yeah, like four kind of Luigi's you can play as, and they're like other characters too. It's great. <laughs> Plays round Luigi, huh? Round Luigi, you know he eats people. Yeah, round Luigi. <laughs> he's the he's the black sheep of the Luigi family, I think. Is, are, like, is that maybe dinosaur Luigi? No, no, I'm talking about Wario. I mean, oh. I mean, <laughs> fat Luigi. <laughs> I don't know who this Wario person is. I don't think he's real. It's oh. your favorite Luigi in fighting simulator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's 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 don't don't spoil game number one on my list just yet. <laughs> okay. Um. So no, uh, Smash Four is actually like a really good game. I think it's I think it's really good because there are like multiple levels to it. Like you can have fun just like sitting around with your friends and just like being a drunk idiot and like playing it at a party and losing a lot and winning a lot, right? Yeah. You can have fun with it on that level, but you could also, like, get really deep into it if you want to. If that's, like, a thing you want to do, it can be enjoyed by anyone. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Pretty good game. It is. Uh, the fourth game on my list. Number four. Was one that I had actually forgotten that I played this year. But I played it at the very, very start of the year, and it was a re-release on Steam, and it was Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah! And I had never played Valkyria Chronicles before. It's so real good, isn't it? To expect. But it was really good. The, the actual, like, gameplay, the actual, like, 
the the missions might be a little bit long for some people at parts. Did you play through all of it? I played through most of it. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know you had touched it at all, much less that much. Like, uh, Ryan and I both picked that up, and I don't... He already got farther than me, but you might have gotten further than either of us. I don't actually remember where I got to. Um, I think I got most of the way through it. Uh, I haven't actually looked at it in a really long time, because I had to, I had to, like... I either had to, like, clean install my my PC, or I had to, like, get a new PC this year sometime. Ah. So I, like, never, like, after that point, I just never installed it because I was busy playing League of Legends and hating my life. Um, yeah, that's that's how that goes, yes. Um, but I, I, I remember being surprised at how fresh every mission felt. Like, you would go into a mission, and you'd be like, okay, I know, I know, I know this game, you just shoot people, and you tell people to go places, and have them shoot people, and it's good, it's fine. And then they would always, like, throw some new curveball at you, which I really appreciated. Um, I, I, I think it's also because I didn't know what to expect, I just went into a blind, and I was like, Valkyrie Chronicles, this is a game that I've heard many, many times from many, many people, it's a very good game. And just came out on Steam, so I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna play it. And I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what the gameplay was, what the story was, and that was that was part of it that I that I sort of like at all the at all the points where I was supposed to be learning, I was learning, so the tutorials didn't really feel like a slog for me. Okay, yeah, like it just ramped enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, that's that's a real good game. Yeah. It was number three. I should go back and beat that. So number three is a game that, similar to League of Legends and Heroes of the Storm, you um, hate yourself for? I do not enjoy. I <laughs> I unless I win the, unless I win the games that I'm part of, I do not enjoy it. But when I do win the games that I'm part of, I feel brilliant. And this game is Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Of course, I know. <laughs> oh man, we were talking about card games at the beginning of this. Card games are not fun, you guys. Yeah, sitting at home, do as I say, not as I do. Don't play. Don't play card games. Just don't do it. But I mean, like, like if games. if people want to know, like we did that whole no credit continue episode on Hearthstone. Yeah. So it was just like I just like for fifteen minutes was like don't don't do this don't don't play card games so but (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) anyway and then we did two more episodes on card games of course (laughs) um if you do want to play card games the Pokemon card games good but um (laughs) enjoyable it's stupid um but yeah Hearthstone is again it's one of those games where you just like. You can go in the arena, and you could like, have a fun time off this stupid deck. Or you could just, like, play Murloc Tribal and have a fun time with your buddy who's playing, like, Pirate Tribal. And just, like, mess around with it and just have fun. And, I mean, Blizzard did a very, very good job with, like, a lot of the UI elements of that game and just making that game palatable. Yeah, it, it's it's like like say what you will about card games, but Blizzard knows how to make like a video game that feels 
good to interact with, just, like, across the board. Exactly. Um, there's some problems with it. Uh, there's some, like, really weird corner case interactions that the game doesn't really explain, and that you just have to go for and hope it works out in your favor. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but... I I like I like that you can engage with it on multiple levels, and you could have fun with it, no matter who you are, no matter what you want to do. Yeah, it's 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 easy enough to get into for pretty much anyone. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's a good reason to be on the list. Game two. Game two. Game two. The second best game that came out this year. Not in my opinion. This is this is fact. Okay. This, this is, is RJ facts. facts. This is not. This list is not my opinion. RJ Facts with RJ? Yes, RJ Facts with RJ. <laughs> yeah. um, that should be a new show. We should talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, RJ Facts with RJ. Dude, I, I would I would produce that show. Let's do this. All right, done. Um, <laughs> okay, number two. Undertale. Undertale's really good. I, like, literally can't say enough about that game. Uh, or or is it that I can't say too much about that game because I don't want to spoil it? I don't know. It's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. It's such a good game. Yeah, like seriously, if anyone listening has not played that game yet, like, like I'm not, like, stop this podcast and go play the game, and then come back and and listen to this podcast. Like, the, the game is so good. I just like it, it's, it's everything that I liked about RPGs. Like, there's like the fulfillment you get from like leveling up and like finding new things and, like, exploring new places and, like, everything I like about it, and it just strips away all the stupid, dumb stuff that I hated a lot (laughs) and replaces it with just novel things and really fun jokes. And, I mean, obviously, like, it's it's heavily inspired by Earthbound, but that's not, that is no way a bad thing because Earthbound's great and this game's great. It's it's great because it's it's not only great, on the level where you just sort of play through it and enjoy characters and jokes and whatever. Yeah. But, like, the part about that game that really blows my mind is, like, after finishing my first playthrough and then just looking at the wiki and looking at all the, like, super why-would-anyone-do-this edge cases that are all accounted for and have, like, unique dialogue. It's just like, what yeah. is any of this? That's that's the thing I really appreciate because when I, when I play games a lot of the time, I... I... I enjoy exploring them. I I enjoy like just seeing how deep the rabbit hole goes. And man, are you rewarded for that with that game? Like, yeah, that game is such a rabbit hole. Yep. Oh my god. Oh man. I yeah, go 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 play Undertale. Yeah, I concur. Yeah, there there are too many reasons to go play Undertale. The did we, did we even mention the characters yet? Like, the characters are so good. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, but okay, that's Undertale. What's right. what's game number one? Number Let's one. get down drum to Drum roll, this. please. You don't actually have to give me a drum roll. Let's just pretend that there's a drum roll. Can everyone hear the pretend drum roll right now? Yes. Game number one... Life is Strange. Yeah. This game, I... Uh, it's meant for you. Yeah, it really is. Like, <laughs> I played the part of it, and I was like, I didn't... 
I wasn't sure if they made a game for me, right? I didn't, I didn't know if they had made this game for me, but I was pretty sure. <laughs> like, just, uh, every choice in that game, and I don't want to spoil too much, like, but every choice you make in that game is about, like, so there's this, like, super <laughs> cool, like, punk lesbian chick. Yep. And, like, you're trying to save her and also solve this mystery and just, like, that presses so many buttons for me. It's just so... Well, because also it's just so much, it's just, well, here's high school shit going on, except you have a superpower that lets you do things about it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, being able to have agency, that's the number one high school power fantasy. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And that game's good all the way through. Like, I feel like I've seen the beginning of that game in a bunch of places, but... Like, it it depends upon how invested you are in in, in the characters and the emotions and the world and what's going on. But mm-hmm. if you get invested in all of that, the choices that you make at the end of the game are just heart-wrenching. <laughs> oh, no. Um, like, and it, it, it gets to the, like... So, games <laughs> tend to have a goal, right? Right. Games tend to, like, alright, like, this is this is your mission, and this is what you're doing, and this game doesn't really have that. It sort of skews that, but, like, around halfway through the game, I realized that my goal in that game was just to save one character. Like, that was all I wanted to do. I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted to save this one character, and, like, every choice I made... From that point onward, was just to save this one character, and mm-hmm. like it was, what? it was interesting to like have that moment, to like have these choices that like I was just like so doggedly pursuing this one goal, and it was just like completely ruining everything else. That's kind of really cool, actually. That's yeah. powerful. It's just like, like to realize, like, no, it, I'm actually in this for this, and just like have that self realization. And then to watch everything else get torn down for the sake of that. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And like oh. this I'm not I'm not sure if like anyone else is gonna like have that attachment because like to me, like the the character I was trying to save was like an actual person who was in my life at that point and like mm-hmm. just like had a lot of the same characteristics as this character. So I'm not sure that anyone else will like form as emotional attachment. So this to this game as I did, um, like I'm not sure if that's a normal reaction, but like it's definitely a thing that they try to that they actively try to get you to engage with. Is it's just like how emotionally you feel towards these characters in this world, and like it's just really immersive in a really interesting way that I haven't seen explored that much. Awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, you got any sort of runners-up who didn't make the list, or is that basically all the games you played? Um, I would say League of Legends and Heroes of the Storm, but as we all know, those games are trash, and no one should ever play them. Um, Yeah, like, you should play those if you hate yourself, or if you want to hate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Unless you win, of course. Then then they're fantastic, and you're brilliant, and you just outplayed all your opponents. But don't play those games. Those games are bad. Um... (laughs) So I'm not going to shout them out. I'm going to actively try to... I'm going to actively make a choice to not shout them out. 
Okay. Um, I think those were all the games that I can think of, really. Uh, I wanted to play Overwatch, and I applied for the beta, but I did not get in. So, I can't shout that game out. I don't know, it's probably really good. <laughs> it, it seems like it's alright. Yep. We'll know in a couple of months when you can pay to play that game. Yeah, maybe. Um, but alright. Uh, listen. Would you like some of this delicious gyro we have? I would love it. Can I go, can I go swim? Can I, can I dive in to that gyro? Uh, I'm... Is, is there a gyro room that I can Scrooge McDuck into? I mean, we're going to have that installed for next year's Game of the Gyro oh, podcast. Next year? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so we'll see you next year then. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go work on the, the gyro room. Okay. I, like, I want. I want to dive into it as soon as possible. Just get all in there. Get all up in there and just, just munch on some gyro. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm glad you could swing by, RJ. See you later, Nick. Bye. All right. I think it's time. I think it's time we just get down to it. I agree. Uh, we should just just put put our, all our cards on the table and just lay out what our top five games of the year are. Question is, who goes first? <sighs> Flip you for it. Okay. Um, I have a quarter here in my hands. Uh, all right. It is a 1996. Uh, no special state on the background, on the back face, because... It's from 1996. That's a good year. That's a vintage. And, uh, yeah, call it in the air. It's in the air now. Tails. Sorry, it's Tails. You have to go first. Oh, no. All right. Uh, so my list is not in a particular order because everything, because basically it would be like a three-way tie for first. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, don't worry. Mine's the same way. Don't make me choose I'm, between my be- my babies. I'm going to just try to structure this in, like, most dramatic order, let's say. Sure. Um, number... The, the first one I'm going to... Top five. Let's talk about Duck Game. <laughs> let's talk about Duck Game, baby. I love Duck Game. Let's talk about you and me. And, you know, this is fighting against Samurai Gun and Towerfall, mm-hmm. uh, which are both fantastic games and some of my favorite games of the year. Uh, this is fighting up against Mount Your Friends, which is an incredible piece of of local multiplayer software. Of GameSoft. Um, which, yeah. Um, but Duck Game, like, when I first played it, when I first got hands-on at it, this was at PAX East. And it made such an impression on me there. Uh, but, you know, finally getting it at home and getting time, to, getting a chance to put more time into it, it's it's just got some systems that work very well. And it's it's got a well-paced chaos mm. that... Um, and so this is part of, 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 like, the things that you will see is, is on my list. Like, the t- my top five games are games that are so good... I played against randos on the internet in these games just to be able to play more of these games. Sure. Um, and that's the thing about Duck Game. Like, I've played a lot of Duck Game online. I've had fun. It's just trolly enough. It's just skill-based enough 
when you have people in the same room, you can play it and have tons of fun. It's got a level editor in it. It's got silly hats for you to collect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a designated button to quack. It's got a quack button. It's and I think just like of all of the games, sort of of this ilk that I've I've played this year and that have come out this year, um, this is the one that I think strikes the best balance between just being like like pure skill measuring, like skill based, uh, having a good amount of of strategy to being like you know counting the number of bullets left in your guns knowing what kind of spawns you can expect on what maps and like there's a certain amount of like map control and stuff like that uh and also just being sort of just chaos based Mm. like you know it's it's the kind of thing where it's like if you're good at the game you will win you know you will win the whole match but you may lose some rounds because you something went weird and you killed yourself or somebody else just got good luck or, you know, some you, somebody just slipped up. And I could mean that literally because you can just throw banana peels in this game and make people slip off of the edge into the infinite void. It's just yeah. like the amount of situations that can happen and how, like, fun when it should be frustrating. It's just sort of astounding. Um, that game is really good. If if you don't mind me chiming in on your list, yeah, no, go for it. This can um, be a back and forth. Yeah, what like I like about Duck Game compared to like other sorts of you know local multiplayer focused arena combaty games uh, like Samurai Gun, like Towerfall, is that like it gives you this tool set that's like diverse, you know, sort of like Towerfalls is, but also has like really interesting interactions between things. Yeah. Um. Like, like fire in that game. Fire is like, you know, depending on the level, could be like a really important mechanic to the match. Um, the interaction between like, you can get armor that, that will absorb a hit, but there's also like a magnet gun in that game, which lets you like take control away from people that have armor. There's like the such, net gun where net if you gun. trap somebody in a net, the best, like, you can't kill them with a net gun, but if they're in a net, you can pick them up directly and just throw them into a spike pit. Or you might net someone and it knocks them back into the mine you placed previously. Or, like, you know, you might net someone and it gives you just enough time to get up to, like, that one powerful weapon that's, uh, like, you're racing to on the top of the map. Like, it, it's such a good, like... The space of, yeah, the space of things that can happen, like the probability space, I guess. If that's, is that the phrase I'm looking for? Possibility space. Possibility space there is like really great. Um, It's, you know, I, I, whenever we're talking about this, I call back to Spelunky about like when you realize that you can drop a rock to trigger a arrow trap and then use the arrow to kill an enemy. Like Mm -hmm. it's that thing, but taken to this like competitive deathmatch side scrolling like world. Yeah. It's so good. And there's also, like, um, like single-player trials, which teach you sort of, like, some of the weird mechanics of the game, like how it's possible to use the chainsaw as a mobility tool yeah. and things like that. Um, it's just a really great game. Yeah. I, that's sort of, like, what really makes it stand out is that the interaction of entities and just, like, it's a just wide enough space that you can sort of, like, memorize it and learn it and do well with it, but then still be surprised when specific things happen. Yeah, like, 
we don't want to go too long on on any one game because we still got a lot to get through and it's been a long show. But like, consider the chainsaw. Like, it's a weapon. You can run up and you can kill someone with it. If you crouch and rev the chainsaw, it fucking bites into the ground and sends you flying. If a chainsaw gets shot, it can start leaking gasoline. And then if there's, like, tools that can set things on fire on the map, that can become, like, a huge hazard on its own. Well, so let me tell you this part, and this is something I'm not even sure if it's guaranteed, but I would not be surprised that of its inclusion. When you have the chain gun, if you fire it for over a certain amount of time, the end starts to glow red, and I think it will jam from overheating. Mm-hmm. But I can think in an overheated state, I believe it can ignite gasoline. <laughs> That's the kind of game that this is. Yeah. Um, it's tremendous. Yeah. Next game on the list. Rocket League. Mm. And, like, it, it was sort of a toss-up between Rocket League and SteamWorld Heist, but SteamWorld Heist I just pl- I just picked up a few nights ago, so I don't know. Like, I'm really, really enjoying that, but I don't know if, you know, how it's going to go through to the end. Uh, Rocket League I know is fantastic. And again, another game that was so good, I went online and played against randos mm. just to play more of this game. Uh, cause it's car soccer with jets and boosting. And again, it's about that sort of, it's very simplistic. It's just get the ball in the goal and mm-hmm. you are a jumping car and that is your tool to do that. Um, you get to play dress up with a whole lot of things and they've been adding more cars and more boost trails and stuff like that over more time hats. in DLC packs. Hats. There are hats. There are flags. Like that's not, that's not like code for, you know, oh, customizable stuff in games because of TF2. Like it's literally hats. Yeah. To put on your car. To put on your car. Uh, it's kind of great. There's a wizard's hat and a witch hat. So they go into some specificity. Um, but, and, and just like the, the actual, the skill that that game demands of like, there's this big old ball and it's almost like playing 3d pool in a weird way. Mm. Cause it's just like, no, you just need to hit the ball into the pocket and you need to get your ricochet game strong and you need to get other people out of the way. If you're playing and that's in just one-on-one, even when you're getting into like team games, you actually get that team dynamic where it starts to feel like a, a real football game mm-hmm. of, you know, Who's, who's like in a striker position? Who's just worried about getting the, the striker shot set up? Who's still back at the thing, like defending the goal? And, you know, communication is actually important in a game that's just about cars flying around and bopping into a ball. Mm. Um, and they actually just started doing things like adding in mutators. You know, oh, because really? it is an Unreal Engine game. You want to know what, what one of the mutators is now? Uh, Vass on fire. Make the ball a cube. What the fuck? So yeah, if you thought it was hard to line up shots before, you're over. The game is over because now it's a cube. So who knows how it's going to bounce around? Christ. Yeah, I um, um this is this is slight spoilers for the show, but Rocket League is also on my list. So I'll I'll save my my specific gushing about the game for then. But like, yes, Rocket League is a great game. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, what's next? Okay, now this is where it gets hard to to pick sort of what was the best one, but here's uh, here's what I'm going with. Uh, next on my top five list is Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U and 3DS. Okay, okay. Um, 
it's weird to, after what we said about the Fallout games before, how it's just sort of more of the same. Mm. Um, Smash Brothers has made a strangely strong impact this year. Um, if nothing else, I feel more than with any entry before in the series, more people have been picking up and enjoying the game yeah. than before. Like, it doesn't feel like they've lowered the skill floor or ceiling or anything like that, but they've definitely made, you know, this is the first one that included the idea of going online and first thing picking for fun or for glory. Yeah. So they, they've done this certain thing where it's like, no, we've, we've given more ways to sort of, um, bow to both crowds. And if you want to play like a super crazy game and do Smash Tour or Smash Run or just have all the items, you can do that. If you want to play a game where you're only using, you know, Fire Emblem Sword Boys, now there's like seven Sword Boys in this game. <laughs> With more to come, from what I hear. Yeah, no, they're, they're, so that's the thing. Like, what, two days ago, we got the final Smash Brothers presentation. Mm -hmm. uh, so they just released Cloud into the game on top of Pac Man and Ryu and Sonic as sort of non Nintendo characters. Uh, and the final ones are going to be Corin from the still unreleased in North America Fire Emblem Fates and Bayonetta. <laughs> and Bayonetta is a real good pick. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait for Bayonetta to join this game. Um, also, you can get a Chocobo hat. I bought that as well. I think it's really weird that, like, they use Smash as a gateway to, like, show Fire Emblem to the West. Yeah, it's like, really weird. Like, Marth and Roy were in that game before, like, I think before literally any uh, Fire Emblem games were released in English, I think. Ooh, that's tough. Like, the GBA ones might have been out in that same time frame, yeah. I think. Uh, but, I mean, like, this is not a game that only exists in North America. We just no, hear no, about that no. a lot. Yeah. Um, so, like, they are, again, sort of bowing to the Japanese crowd to be like, hey, these games that we all love over here, now there's plenty of these dudes in it. Mm. Um, but they took out Wolf, so I'm upset. I don't actually care that much about Wolf. Uh, <clears throat> I'm happy Sonic's in it. Why? Uh, Who likes Sonic? I like Sonic. I like what Sonic used to be, and I actually think he's a really good character in Smash. I liked Sonic. If you ask me between Sonic and Snake, I would take Sonic. He turns you into a he turns into a ball and he hits you. That's all of his moves. All of his I know, moves it's are great. he turns into a ball. He um, gets dunk. He dunks. He dunks on people. He but, is a dunking. Yeah, so for me, like the big shift with this version of Smash has been like having it on a portable system. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Like that I think that's what's gotten me into it. Like I mean, obviously, like, I, I have a 3DS and I don't have a Wii U, so, like, if it wasn't on the 3DS, I wouldn't be playing it. But, like, being able to, like, wait, when did this game come out, Nick? Did this game come out last year? I don't know. It's <laughs> um, okay if it did. Yeah, but, like, being able to go to, like, the fucking, like, the game club game night here on campus and just, like bring my 3DS and throw down with people um, was, like, really fun. Um, and I think it, it it works really well as a portable game. Yeah. 
Especially just, like, for the opportunity to be able to, like, whip it out of your pocket and, like, throw down with somebody. The weird part of being able to use it as a controller for the console version of the game, I think, says a lot. Mm. Uh, Because it's like, Smash Brothers has been a system mover for a long time. Yeah. Like, pretty much since the GameCube. Because, like, everyone had it for N64, just about. And, like, since then, it's been able to move systems. Uh, But... In some cases, it was the thing where it's like, oh, you know, we have that one friend who has the Nintendo console and Smash, and they just bring it when we want to play it. Mm-hmm. But that also got to this weird point of like, well, we can't really get good at it because there's the one guy who's so good at it because he's the only one who owns it and like has access to practice it. Yeah. Um, but now, like, it's strangely more accessible because a lot of people have 3DSs. Mm. Uh, that's a really good install base. Uh, and... Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure why it's become more accessible in this one, but like we were playing it at New Year's. I feel like we've played it at like every get together we've had amongst friends this year, and like they've been less and less. So the fact that it has been such a constant throughout all of them, I think, is just a sign of like how strong this game is. Just like we yeah. need, like we only have so much time to spend with each other. What can we do that we know we'll enjoy? Oh, Smash Brothers. Oh, okay. I didn't really see that coming. Like, if you had asked me if Smash was going to be our go-to game, I might not have said that. Yeah, like, same. Like, we went to we went to Brawl a lot, but like people would burn on that, burn out on that really quick when it got pulled out. But this one, not so much. This yeah. one has has like legs. Like, yeah, not even le- this. This one is less stressful somehow. I have not been able to pick out why, but the fact remains is that that's what it seems to be. Hmm. Um, plus, it gives me amiibo. I like being a, a small person with pockets. <laughs> yeah. Good characters in this game. Um, I, I actually really like playing as Cloud. I've learned that now. I picked that up last night. Oh, jeez. Um, you know, we should get together and play some Smash at some point. Got a lot of shit to do this winter break. Yeah. Gotta get on it. Okay. Um, two games left. This is kind of a toss-up. Uh, mm, I really don't know what to go with, but I'm going to go with GTA Online. Okay. Um, so you notice I did not say GTA Five. No, there's a reason didn't. for that. Uh, like, while technically you need one to have the other, uh, GTA Five was all right, and I enjoyed my time with it. But I enjoyed the online version better. Uh, it's. You remember when we played APB? Yeah. And you remember how we did like just silly stuff, and like I still got. Like, screenshots of us sitting stoically in a car that is on its side. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, dicking around in a world and having just goofy fun like that. Yeah. Uh, GTA is all of that, but also just a better game to be playing. Um, they're, they're like, I, w- I enjoyed all of the things that you have to do to, like, fill out your daily missions. Because this is an online game in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, but like today, one of my missions was just go see a movie at one of the in-game movie theaters. And it's like, okay, sure. I would love to do that. It's like, also go have like a team deathmatch, And the shooting is fun enough in this game that I enjoy that. What is, you know, what is going and seeing a movie in GTA five actually entail for you? You go to a movie theater, you purchase a ticket and you sit in a theater and you watch moving pictures on a screen for a little while. Is it like an actual movie? I think it is like something 
created specifically to be a like movie an in-world movie it is not like movie length i think at most it's maybe like 15 minutes but even if it was that long that's impressive okay it's more it's more than just like a weird slideshow that you would see in like a quick two map that has a quote-unquote movie theater in it sure this ain't duke 3d no more um and like they they've done a lot of uh like support to it and like you can play dress up so well. I did not realize that like everything on my list included playing dress up. Mm. But um oh my gosh. Uh like with what you can do with cars, the stuff that it's it's interesting because like you can play it just as like like a bland open world where all you do is you troll other people and like have guns and shoot everything that moves. Mm-hmm. But like the weird like actual sort of like economy and day-to-day life that you have like you need to go to the atm every time you get money to deposit it to make sure your money is safe you need to buy insurance for your car in order to be able to respawn your car because if you don't have insurance if that car blows up it's just gone forever Mm -hmm. um i did work to save up money to buy a house with a really nice view of the city lights at night and that was actually where I stopped playing. I was just like, I have the best view in the city. I have earned it. This is essentially a win for this game. Nice. Um, and then you go and do stuff like we're going to have airplane races where we're just racing under bridges. Like there's a whole like in-game editor. So not only, like, not only are there official content updates, but like people are making, like people have made weird road races. Which you can put that in quotes because you're starting like on the roofs of skyscrapers and there are floating ramps and loop de loops taking you between buildings. Like oh, people are doing yeah. weird stuff. I didn't know there was like mission editing stuff in that game. Yeah, like I, I have not played around with that, but it seems like you can do some really cool stuff with it. Um the one time where I was in I joined up with a heist in progress and like everybody else had assault rifles and I just showed up with like a hammer and a hockey mask and said, Let's do this. Oh god. Um and it worked out because then we all what was it like there were four people, one hijacked like a prototype VTOL plane, and the other three got older jets and were just like uh bodyguards for this prototype plane and we were stealing that to take it back. Like the stuff you do is like cool setup and fun and you can edit it and make new stuff too um just like the amount of stuff in that game how like solid and good feeling the main engine is like everyone says like oh i don't want to do racing in open world games anymore like i loved midnight club and as long as you're like driving physics feel good enough i enjoy racing in open world and like you know especially if it's tracks that like take you through buildings and and Mm. stuff like that and you can totally set that up in in this game and you can do fun stuff and then just like again it's an online game so like just the player interaction they they do enough where it's not a total nightmare land Mm -hmm. because you can go into passive mode and then just like people can't shoot you or blow up your car while you're in it or stuff like that so you Mm -hmm. can just go and do whatever you want to do and not have to worry about the the trolls you basically just just go ghost yeah but then also you can just do fun stuff with people like just before i was shopping for a a a fox mask or like look and see what kind of anime mask were on sale all right. And w- when I came out of the store, a dude was just hanging out on my motorcycle. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And we just wheelied across the beach, me and my new friend. And then you drove him into the ocean, right? Yeah. And then he, we both laughed about it. Uh, and just like, so like, it, it's, it's great. Cause like the, most of my uh, interactions with people on it have been 
like, yeah, some terrible shit happens. A lot of people are just, like, children who, like, bought the biggest tank that they could, and now they just shoot everybody everywhere. Um, also, there's a lot of weird hacking, but even the hackers are kind of clever. So, and I caught this on video. You can you can go and watch it on YouTube, but I think a hacker, like, teleported himself into my helicopter that I was flying, but he didn't know that I was doing the thing that requires me to bail out of helicopters constantly. So <laughs> he just went down in a ball of flames into the ocean as I jumped out. And then to get me back for that, he spawned clones of myself onto my current position until my computer crashed. Oh, Jesus, what? Yeah, it's... Well, not the computer, but the game itself. It's just like, there's too many of you, and I gotta get out of here. That's, and that's kind what of horrifying. <laughs> but just like, like even when people are fucking with you, is kind of cool stuff happening. And then I still have, like, my garage full of cars and, like, the the cool apartments that I've earned from, like, actually doing the game stuff, which, again, was, like, fun stuff, because it's, like, it's, like, PvE and PvP and editing and races and just, like, what do you want? Like, there's tons of cool stuff in here. Like, I put a lot of time into that game, and I don't know why I stopped. Like, like it, the way that people get sucked into, like, World of Warcraft and stuff like that, that's how GTA Online almost was for me. Mm. I said, it's just like, I was just like, oh, no, if I keep going, I will never stop, is, is what happened with that game. So that's that's why that's so high on my list. That is a strong endorsement. Um, and yet, it is still beat out by what I'm calling the top game on my list, which is Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. V has come to. V has come to number one on the list. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so Metal Gear. Metal Gear. I'm really sad about how that game ended. But no matter how salty I am about that, I can't overlook how good actually playing it was and like everything yeah. up until that end. Um, like the systems at play, the fact that you need to upgrade your Walkman to have like an external speaker to allow you to play bear noises so that when you're hiding in a bush, you can scare away enemy soldiers looking for you. Like, we were talking about systems with Duck Game. MGS5 had those kind of systems, but in, like, a much broader, more detailed world. Because, mm. like, you're driving around, you're hunting after animals, you're going... Also, just, like, you know, that sort of Kojima silliness where, like, I got a Jehuti arm. You got a Jehuti arm? Did you never get the Jehuti arm? No. Dude, there's a Jehuti arm you can get. I got the rocket fist. It gives you gauntlet, that thing that the Jehuti has that lets you, like, grapple enemies. What the fuck? Could you throw people into walls for double damage? Pretty much, yes. How did you get a Jehuti arm? It's one of the side ops where you seek down a legendary Jehuti bird. Or an Ibis? I think it was like a blue Ibis? And, like, when you complete that, it says, okay, Jehuti arm is now available for development. Fuck. It, it costs precious metals every time you field with it. Yeah, I think I started that mission, and then I was just like, it was too hard, and I couldn't find the fucking Ibis I was supposed to hunt down, so I abandoned it, because I wasn't expecting it to give me a Jehuti arm. Yeah. Um, 
Man, also that game was strong in playing Dress Up 2 because, like, even though costumes specifically were not a thing, you can play severe Dress Up with your gun. Extreme Dress Up. Do you want to do something silly? Do you want to have a grenade launcher with an underslung grenade launcher and also a red dot sight with a booster on it and a crazy stock? You can do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Like, the, if nothing else, like, that would hit top five for the gun customization alone. Um, you can put stickers on your box. Yeah. You can give your dog an eye patch. There is a Fulton catapult. Like, that's the thing. The reason why this game ranks so high for me is not because of the story. Like, the story is whatever. It could be interesting. Uh, the way that it rolls, like, story cutscenes into gameplay, I think is, uh, uh, says a lot about the power of the Fox engine. And I would really love to know who has kept the rights to use that engine now that the whole Kojima-Konami split has sort of resolved. Yeah, yeah, the first time that you're like, I don't know, I don't know if it actually happens more than once, but, like, you're just kind of roaming around the world and you go to a place and, like, suddenly it, like, a title card comes up and it's like, no, this is episode 13 now. You wandered into it. Yeah. Congratulations. Like Like, the way that that stuff happens, I think it is... I think they have come up with really neat and like well-executed storytelling tools, but the story itself is just so weak and it ends so poorly. And I'm so mad about the whole like final third of that game, but just like the part where you're playing it, the part where you're building up mother base. I did not think that I could get so emotionally invested in an oil rig, Mm. but again, um, yeah. Like also again is because you get, uh, the whole invasion thing, and I'm still looking forward to playing, uh, MGO when it comes out for PC yeah. next year. Uh, like, it, it may be full of hackers, so it may not be the best experience, but like, the idea of like, Fultoning in competitive multiplayer on top of having like, as far as I can tell, most of those like, just crazy intricate systems in play, and like, the shooting feels, it, it is, it is the best playing Metal Gear Solid game that Definitely. there has been. Just flat statement. Yep. Um, and the parts where it's crazy and wacky seem even crazier and wackier. And like, I can't look past how good all that is. Like, I was talking about these other games that I put so much time into that I was like looking, like just time syncing and looking for like dealing with random people on the internet in order to play more of it. But with Metal Gear, it was just, there was so much in it. I put in so much time and didn't even have to see other people on the internet in order to get that much enjoyment out of it. Mm. And like, there's still stuff left for me to do. I keep thinking like, oh, am I going to go back and do more of that game? Eh, maybe later, maybe tomorrow, something like that. Like, it's still on my mind this far out. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, that is like, right up there at the top like between that and gta online it would be hard to pick which one would be the top but like those are just like the two best experiences i had this year i think like most time most enjoyment straight up yeah yeah metal gear isn't isn't on my list personally like just i don't really know what's happened with that game with patches and everything and like i don't know i don't feel the same uh like, drive to go back to it, but, like, yeah, when that game came out and, like, the couple of weeks afterwards, like, I I 
was in a deep hole with that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm also really looking forward to MGO, uh, when it actually releases for PC. I'm hoping that, like, it'll be populated pretty much. Um, like, MGO's existed in, in the previous games, and it's always been something I was interested in, but never something I got to actually play myself. Um, mm-hmm. so, like, yeah, that's one of those things that I'm waiting for at the, the start of the next year. Like, that and XCOM 2 are, like, all right, good. That's a good start to video games next year. Yeah. Like, as far as interesting systems go, I think I still preferred, uh, the, like, like, vision and information, the class-based vision and information sharing of the SOP system that was in MGO from Metal Gear 4. Mm-hmm. But, again, as far as, like, hey, what is the best playing Metal Gear, best controlling, best whatever, Yeah, it's going to be this one, so... Yeah. Hopefully this one does have some legs on it. Um, plus a little bit of that carries over. And there's going to be even more hats that come out with that update. So Sure. I'm there. I'm there. I want to put a dog on my head and go to war. What's up? This is my version of Mad Max. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's my list. I think that's where I'm at. That's solid. Yeah. What do you got? Well. Um, Wait a second. What? Wait a second. Oh, shit. What's, what is that noise? What is that? Why, it sounds like someone's at our front door. It's Joe! Hey, guys! I just flew in from the ghost planet, and boy, are my arms tired! But I'm cheap. Laugh track. <laughs> well, we're, actually, actually, I just borrowed the Phantom Cruiser. It's a much easier way to go. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we're glad you could join us. Thanks for having me. Uh, would you like to share... Uh, your top five games of the year? I would love to. First of all, yes. Did you put yours in an order? I did, although it's a very loose order, and <clears throat> and most of them could be interchanged with no real <laughs> catastrophic <Sure>. results. <laughs> all right, let's just let's start at five. I put Bayonetta two. Okay. Mostly because I felt guilty that I hadn't put that many other games from either this year or at least recent years on my list. Okay. But I did enjoy that game a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You actually beat that where I got through like the first level and just said, I guess this is more Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like feel quite as big as um the first one, but the monster designs are just as fantastic and in some places better. And it's just a lot of crazy fun. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, it's just sort of like, it's at least on par. Yeah. With the first one, and that's great. And you can put chainsaws on your feet. You can put chainsaws on your feet. Oh, I really should play more <laughs> of that game. <sighs> All right. How about number four? Number four, I have Undertale. Even though I haven't technically finished it yet, I'm stuck on a fight, but I'll get to it eventually after I'm done binging on Fallout. Were, were, did you, were you still stuck on the spider fight? No, I finished the spider fight. I'm stuck on Metaton's fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mostly because I'm really bad at like bullet hells and like avoid getting hit in this rain of bullet type games. And I'm also really bad at games where there are a lot of buttons you have to remember on the keyboard and like anything with like hockeys, but like for some reason I'm I'm just like, it takes me way too long to think about what I have to hit and then hit it. Sure. 
So even just like dodging stuff, it's it's really hard for me. <laughs> but isn't that the main action of that game? How did it make it onto your list? Well, because it's hilarious and has great characters and an interesting world and the humor is exactly my type of humor. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, my second and third slots especially <clears throat> could be interchanged fairly easily. Um, but in third place, I put XCOM Enemy Within. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know soon we're going to see the release of XCOM 2, yes? Uh-huh. Okay. As long as you're aware of that, I suppose. <laughs> that was kind of why I figured I should check it out, because I had seen stuff about the second one coming out. So I was like, oh, I'll check out the first one. And then it turned out to be... Like, okay, so one of the, my games on my mention list is Massive Chalice, because mm-hmm. I played a lot of that. Yeah. Um. So I went straight from Massive Chalice to XCOM, and I was like, oh, okay, it's just fantasy XCOM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I played a lot of XCOM, because it had a little bit more to it than Massive Chalice did. Yeah, well, because Massive Chalice tried to do more with the... Well, I won't say it tried to do more with the sort of metagame layer, because XCOM has that whole base building thing. Right. But I think that's a Just bit something more... different with it. Yeah, like, it's a, it's it's more like you're building up with XCOM, whereas in Massive Chalice, like, people are aging out, so you're, like, it's more about doing the upkeep in Yeah. In well, place. also, and you, you are kind of building up, because depending on the level of, like, the parents and the trainers and stuff, like your kids will start out with a bigger XP boost, so they'll start at higher levels yeah. and stuff like that. So you're basically trying to build them up so by the time you get to the end, you have um, the big fight, you have a lot of like good warriors to pick from that are built up strong enough to handle everything. I was really bad at that game. I didn't even make it halfway to that final fight, and I just ran out of people who were of age to do fights. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no, I don't know what I did wrong, but... For a while, I only had Caberjacks. That was fun. <sighs> um, But yeah, no, XCOM is... See, I, I love XCOM if it weren't for all that base building stuff there, too. Because I'm always bad at that because it's like, that's the part where you're playing the long game. Yeah. And... Don't you need to like see the end of the game once to understand what you need at the end of the game so that then you go back and you can make good decisions earlier? I would argue that like, like any direction them... you go with it is like will work in one manner or another. It's just a matter, I guess, of like once you know what you'll be facing later on, you can start preparing for it a little earlier if you want to. Well, cuz like I just spend all of my money on like the best armor I have available at the time because I have no idea what it's going to take to tech up into even better armor. Mm-hmm. But then, like, and then at some point you go, okay, well, I need to figure out the balance between, you know, decent armor now and the best armor later mm-hmm. because I, cause I could just as easily swing hard the other way. It's like, well, I'm not going to invest in armor now because there's that good stuff and I want to get that as soon as possible. Um, like, I'm terrible at all of that and that actually is what, like, you tore through XCOM and you beat the whole game. Yeah. Like, I love that game, and I have not beaten it, like, even in vanilla, uh, just because of, like, how much your success depends on the base building stuff. But the combat itself, mm-hmm. I love it because it's like a tabletop war game. It's like a Brick Wars or a Warhammer or whatever. Yeah. But just on a computer and digital, so it handles, like, line of sight and all of that stuff for you. And it's just, that's exactly what I want. I <laughs> I want to play tabletop war games, but without having to pull out a ruler. And that game does it for me just exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm glad you gave, me, gave us an excuse to talk about that game. <laughs> it's a pretty good game. 
So, uh, what's two then if it's so interchangeable? Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. How is that interchangeable? <laughs> well, in terms of my enjoyment of it, um, like, because they're, they're different games, so I can't really, I hate ranking things that don't have a lot in common. Sure. Um, so these two are basically, I hold the same level of interest for me, even though they're entirely different things. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, so in October, I decided to play Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, because while I have started this game multiple times throughout my life, I have never actually technically finished it. So I was like, all right, it's October, Halloween season, I'm just going to play through it. And I did. You finally did. Yep. And it still holds up. So, in terms of story and what, world and stuff, like, what kind of game is it? Because I just like saw it a bit over your shoulder, and like, I've never heard of it outside of you, really. It's an RPG. It over the shoulder. It looks like if Deus Ex was vampire instead of cyberpunk. Basically. Okay, you know. Okay, <laughs> if that works, then, then okay. That's a good yeah, actually, then. basically. <laughs> All right, I'm done with that. But yeah, the only thing that doesn't really hold up is like the graphics. Are a little eh, like they're they're better than I actually remember them being, um. But for me, the 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 worst part is just the controls are so clunky. Yeah. That in some of the bigger fights, it's just really annoying because it's like, okay, I know I could beat this guy, I just can't like move properly to do it, kind of thing. Yeah, it's always a shame when your controls are what's getting in the way of. Uh... Beating a challenge. Yeah. So I I play through as a Toreador, which is like the charismatic, most human-looking vampires. I thought they were the ones who fight bulls, but that's no. my mistake, I suppose. But yeah, so now uh, now that I've seen the whole story, I do want to play through again with some of the other classes, because it, it makes the experience pretty different, depending on what... Could, could I be a werewolf? Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, I would play it if I could just be a werewolf the whole time. That sounds all right. <laughs> So, what managed to beat XCOM and I, Vampire the Masquerade? I bet you can guess. <laughs> is it a Fallout you know game? Me best. Yes, it is indeed Fallout 4. <laughs> hey, and that's from this year. Yeah. So you put a lot of time into Fallout 3 and even more yes. into New Vegas. Before New, uh, Fallout 4 came out, I was really excited, so I replayed 3 in New Vegas. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because I'm crazy. <laughs> Uh, how does it hold up as a successor to those? Because in a lot of ways, it's kind of a lot more of the same. Well, that's kind of the point. I mean, <laughs> that's what people like about it. They... <laughs> it's hard to compare it in some ways because they did change some things. So, like, the the conversation styles and stuff like that. The, the 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 change in the conversation system feels like it's a major change, even though I think in a weird way it's just... Like, I can see how it isn't, but because of the way the dialogue options are presented to you, it feels very different, and it makes it... It, take us at, it takes out a lot of, like, the RPG part of it. Like, you, you can't really roleplay a character as much. There's no longer... You know, a spot in a dialogue tree that gives you four different options on how to say no in a snarky way. Yeah. <laughs> like, even though, yes, all of them are no, so it's just like an illusion of sort of space in the conversation. Yeah. Conversation possibility space. Like, just the ability to, to like, 
choose something different actually made it feel very different. Let yeah. you role play more. Plus being able to see the entire sentence you're going to say before you say it. Yeah. Well, Helps. they already modded that in. Yes! Apparently they also now, somebody modded in uh, Geralt from The Witcher and a, modded in a bunch of his <laughs> weapons. And you want a lightsaber? You can get a lightsaber. <laughs> this doesn't surprise me at all. But yeah, that and the... On the one hand, I kind of like the weapon degradation, but on the other hand, I really like the weapon customization. Mm -hmm. And I do agree that you probably couldn't have both of those in the same game. Like, it would make it a lot more complicated and annoying than anything. Or or because the way they could have done it, since now all junk has a use. Yeah. Because you can break it down for parts. Like, they could have just done something like, hey, every once in a while, just go back to your workshop and, like, touch the workshop and say repair Fix and it'll be weapons. like yeah. okay it's gonna take like you know 60 screws to repair this back to full health we'll strip it out of these or, yeah. or whatever you want but at that point like it's like they understand how much of that game that they made like like it's fallout so it is supposed to be sort of about you know survival in the wasteland yeah but a lot of survival is busy work and that's not necessarily fun because <laughs> like the the fun part of those games is not the part where it's busy it's the part where it's you're meeting interesting people and finding out the stories and, and just... Well, okay. So, as a Dragon Age fan, mm -hmm. who played a lot of that, of the third one, going into this year, so I'm counting it on my mention list because I played a lot of it in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, Like, the reason I like Bioware games and the reason I like Bethesda games are for different reasons. And I feel like this year... With Dragon Age Inquisition and Fallout 4, they both kind of took steps towards the other's kind of domain, if you will. Okay. Um, And for Dragon Age, I think it worked because it added to the world. But for Fallout, I feel like it kind of takes away a little bit of what made Fallout Fallout for me. Yeah. Their, Bethesda and Fallout is more about like the world and just kind of running around and exploring and finding things. And but now they've put in this they, big emphasis on like building your own settlements and stuff. Oh, I don't mind that. But the I feel like what little like role playing elements it had, or rather like the interface through which you could do some role playing. Yeah. Um, they took enough of that away that it feels limiting. Yeah. Like it. it feels more stronger than ever the idea that like the main character has a story right. that you can follow through like you're not playing than... yourself you can't play yourself you're playing their character yeah which isn't always a bad thing but for a follow game where you basically go into it being like okay this is me in that world or you know whatever yeah. character you want to play now you're, you're kind of railroaded into this like it, it, it's, plot. <laughs> it has felt like they gave you a goal. Like, yes, you need to find your dad, but you're not playing out the story of this character finding his dad. It's just another thing for you to, right. uh, a reason for you to get out into the world and start looking. Right. Around. And even with that, I feel like with three, when you're looking for your dad, that's kind of relatable because, you know, everyone has some sort of, you know, father like concept yeah. in their life well, it, but not everyone is going to be easily able to slip into a role where they have a kid i get i mean they they could have gone back to uh fallout 2 i think that's the one where you needed to find the the geck yeah that was the like geck. It, it just needs to be a macguffin to get you out into the world like, yeah like 
New Vegas was pretty good because it's just, I need to find the guy who shot me in the head. I love New Vegas. <laughs> and that's like, I, like, I loaded that up too, uh, to, to sort of remember what my feelings on it were in mm-hmm. comparison to Fallout 4. And I was at the point where you find the guy who shot me, who shot you in the head. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, all right, I'm going to deal with you. Oh, hey, it looks like you were embroiled in something bigger. I don't really care about that. This goal is done. And then I just moved on and went on to something else entirely. Yeah. It was kind of neat to see the stuff that they introduced in New Vegas. Like the, um, like recipes and stuff like that. Kind of used, like implemented a bit more in this one. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, all that stuff, um, makes it feel a lot like Skyrim, which I don't mind because I love Skyrim. But, like you can see a lot of the Bethesda crossing over there. Oh yeah, like like that's always been there, if nothing else, just like in in like their style of writing and world building. Yeah. But even systematically now, they're kind of becoming the same game. Yeah, which I which would not I don't complain mind. about. This is entirely different genre, so it still like feels really different. Yeah, but what if I like made a pipe rifle and then I found a soul gem that let me enchant it with like. <laughs> Like, holy fire, and then... Can I rant to you about my post-apocalyptic fantasy sometime? (laughs) Let's save that for another time. That would probably make a good uh, guide nap on its own. Yeah. So, yeah, you kept mentioning uh, runner-ups. Oh, yeah, I've got a list of other stuff I've played this year. Well, why don't you just go down and name some of them? What what didn't quite make it, but it's still worth mentioning? Um, I played through the first Tomb Raider reboot. That was a lot of fun. I've never really had a chance to like play the Uncharted games because I'm not really a PlayStation sure. Three person. Um, so, but that was fun. I had fun with that one. Uh, like I said, Massive Chalice. Um, I started playing the first Witcher because the third Witcher was coming out. Like you do. Yeah. Uh, started playing, like actually playing the first Deus Ex, which with my enjoyment of Vampire the Masquerade, you know, totally into that one. Yep. Um, I played a lot of Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer is always worth mentioning. Oh, yeah. I still need to, like, go back to that. I totally forgot that that had, like... Finished. Made such (laughs) a big splash. Yeah. And now it's, like, more filled out than it was when we first started playing it. Yeah. So I need to go back and check that out. I played a lot of Gunpoint. Gunpoint was good. I checked out some City Skylines. (laughs) I don't know why that game makes me laugh. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, man, they made a, a, a good city builder game in this day yeah. and age. That's, like, not also trying to be an RTS or, like, it's like you think of city building and, like, modern, it's just like, oh, it's like Civ or, like, oh, it's, like, also an RTS fighter or something. It's like, no, it's just, like, this is just, like, we made a SimCity-ass SimCity, Sim City again. Yeah. Um, play a lot of Smash, of course. Mm. And I have to mention it because I put too much time into it. Unipop. Yeah, you did play Honey Pop a whole bunch. Yeah. You were mad at it the whole time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I got the achievement for 100%ing it, so I'm leaving it there. You know, that's... Like, I could throw shade, but that's basically the exact same story with me and Halo Reach, <laughs> where I got the achievement... For completing a legendary brutal difficulty by myself. Jesus. But no, because then the achievement is just called a monument to all your sins. And that's <laughs> that was a really good name for an achievement. Yeah. Um, yeah, if anything, that game, or not Halo, but 
Puny Pop, yeah. made me just want to make a better version of that game. Yeah. That was the most frustrating part. It was just sitting, I was just sitting there and things were happening and be like, no, no, bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Do it this way. So, yeah. Actually, there's probably a way to integrate a puzzle game into like a Twine engine story. All right. We should look into that. Yep. I really want to make a dating sim puzzle game and make it actually good. Yeah. All right, we should we should look at that. Yep. Uh, but for now, yeah. would you like to join us for some of this delicious gyro? I I can't. I have to go to the store to get butter and cheese. Tengo que ir a la tienda a comprar mantequilla y queso. I have to go to the store to get butter and cheese. It's a real shame to hear you say that exactly like that. But uh, we understand. But uh, thanks for dropping by. No problem. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays. So, Nick. So, Ryan. I see you've saved the best for last. That's what the coin toss told us to do. Because it's time for me to talk about the top five games of 2015. Tell us your top five games of 2015. Uh, hold on. Not my top five games. These are the top five games. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay, so I figure I'll start with one uh, that was already on your list, actually, which is Rocket League again. Yeah. Um, so we kind of already went over it. Like, I'm not... I have played driving games, and I have played sports games, and I'm not the hugest fan of either of them, but I really like Rocket League. Yep. Um, I think, like, Danny O'Dwyer did an explanation of of it that I think... I think encapsulates it the best. Like, it's physical in a way that other sports games are abstract. Mm. Like, you don't control a body in, like, FIFA, right? You control a player. Yeah. But, like, you, you don't, like, control that player's feet or everything. It's like, no, you press the pass button. But, like, yeah. in Rocket League, like, no, you control a body. That body is, like, a rectangle with wheels and a rocket on the back. But, like, your interactions with the ball are all, like, very physical. physical. Ball um, control is not a property of a player entity. It is something you are doing yeah, to it, keep it's, control you, of the ball. You physically have to learn to keep control of the ball. Yeah. Um, and I think because it plays on sort of, like, the like a known vocabulary in games, like, people who play games have probably played, like, a racing or driving game before and kind of understand, like, how cars handle in video games. So I think because it, it uses that as the groundwork for how you play this game, I think it has a really great combination of skill floor and skill ceiling mm. where it's like, yeah, okay. Like you drive, you boost, you have to bump the, the ball into a goal. Like, yeah. Like I think anybody can play the game at a very basic level, but then you add in stuff like, you know, aerial maneuvers and fucking thrust vectoring and things like that, and this is a game with, like, a really high skill ceiling as well. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird, because it's almost like if you were to take a FIFA game, but it controlled, like, Tory Bash. But then they just said, wait, that's impossible, so instead of being, like, a ragdoll human form, it's a car. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it would be unfeasible to expect, like, somebody to control a human body through a controller or a keyboard or whatever with the kind of speed and fidelity that, like, a sports game needs. But you can do a car. Yeah. 
Um, you can do a big old box with wheels. Yeah. And, like, the game just, it it feels great to play. Like, whenever you score a goal, fucking time compresses and then the world explodes. Like, it's great. It's really... <sighs> and I like how they keep adding uh, night versions of stages to the game post-release. Yeah. So now, if you want to have that game experience, but also there's, like, stars and neon lights everywhere, there you I go. I do. Um, so, yeah, Rocket League. Um, okay, next? next on my list. Where do I want to go with this? How do I want to go with this? Um, I think I'll go Kerbal next, because it's kind of another... It's kind of an outlier on my list. So, Kerbal Space Program is a game that technically came out this year. Um, because it's like, it's 1.0 launch was this year, because this is another game with like a very long, uh, you know, sort of development cycle that people have been able to play it all throughout. Um, like I first learned about this game. I don't know if you remember this, Nick, but do you remember when we did a panel at Genericon? Yeah. Do you know what year that was? God, no. So after we did that panel, like some dude came up to me and was like, oh, have you played Kerbal Space Program? And I'm like, no, it's like a gerbil game. What is that? It's like, yeah, it's like a space simulator and like you build rockets and stuff. And like that had to be like six years ago, eight years ago. How long ago was that? That was a while. That was probably no later than 2011. Yeah, it was available in 2011. Um so, yeah, this isn't a technically, like, an especially new game, but it has changed, like, immensely over the course of its development. And as it stands now, I think the game is great in, like, giving you what you want from it. Like, if what you want to do is, like, strap a bunch of rockets together and build something really dumb and watch it explode over the ocean, like, it's great at providing you that experience. Um, like if you want the full, uh, like space program simulation with like research and like performing contracts and hiring new astronauts when you leave people like dead in space, like it has that too. And with mod support, like if you want to go crazy where it's like, no, I want there to be like communication delay and have to set up like relay satellites and things like that. Like you can do that too. Um, yeah, I think it's a game that, like, it, it's a very sandboxy experience. Like, you'll get, you'll get out of it what you put into it. But just, like, the range of, like, what you can put into it and what you can get out of it is, like, really great. Um, yeah. That is impressive. Cause it was always sort of oblique in the sense of, like, what is possible you're just like okay i guess i can get to space but it wasn't always clear it's like no you could do research when you get up there but they've just like brought that way more to the forefront and now you realize that there's so many little like smaller things that you can accomplish other than just like you land on the moon or you don't yeah and like it it really does just kind of provide you a space that has problems in it and you can go about solving them however you want it's like okay, you can't get your rocket to, like, get to X planet. Well, like, are you going to refine your design and, like, try to come up with a newer, more efficient way to do that? Are you going to work on your piloting and, like, you know, just become better and more efficient at, like, operating 
this craft, or are you going to do something like set up a refueling station on the moon where it's like, okay, I can get this rocket to the moon. And once I'm in orbit around the moon, like, you know, I can just fuel it back up and keep going, you know, like there, there's space to solve problems in interesting ways. Yeah. That's a real good game. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to go back to it, but I think what might actually happen. So that game is coming to the Wii U. What? Yeah. <laughs> what that the was fuck? in the, the last Nintendo Direct they did. They said, "Oh yeah, and by the way, like here's a montage of stuff coming to the Wii U next year." And Kerbal was in there, and I'm just like, "What?" Uh, partly because like that's it's so simulation heavy that it just feels weird to have something like that on a console, um, hmm. unless you're folding po- proteins on a PS3. But at the same time, I'm really interested, just one, to see how they make that fit, like, to a console platform and, you know, limited to controller, but with the touchscreen, so there's a lot. Um, I have no idea how that control scheme is going to work with a controller, because, like, just thinking about, like, your your staging controls and your basic thrust controls and your, like... RCS maneuvering controls and it yeah, all I have the no idea do. how they how they put that on a console. Um but I'm also really interested in what that's going to do when you consider the demographics that have a Wii U. Like Kerbal is a substantial enough game that, you know, it probably will be downloaded. I think that was the trick. It's a download title, it won't have a disc release. Mm-hmm. But like there is so much sort of in there for you to do that it is a substantial title. It's something that makes you think. Like, it's not specifically a puzzle game, but you kind of need to know, like, math and physics and stuff to make it go. And if you go with yeah. sort of the um, kind of the stereotypical thought that this is like a console for children, just, you know, with nonviolent games and, like, whatever else is going on it, like, what is this going to do for the way that, like, math heavy simulations are going to like change in the public perspective is there something that's actually going to happen when you have like hey here is like a space program and orbit simulation software on your nintendo console that like like hey you probably have a nintendo console because you like having fun here's the thing you can do fun but requires lots of like in-depth science to like get a grip on what to do like I think this is a really weird space, uh, uh, like a really weird space for that that game to live. Yeah, and I'm curious what how that's going to work out. Like I'm I'm I might buy that game again just to see what it's like on the Wii U when it finally comes out. I'd be fucking thrilled to see what the 12 year old who starts playing Kerbal Space Program now does in 10 years. You know, Ex- exactly. And that's the thing, like with what's available on the Wii U. Like, hey, there's some good games on the Wii U now. It took them a long time to get there, and I still can't really count past a dozen, like, must-have titles. <laughs> if, like, there's any, uh, you know, if there's any push to be like, hey, Kerbal's here, Kerbal is a fun thing that you can do. Like, if there's any presence of it, like, Kerbal might become a must-have game for the Wii U, and that's a weird sentence to be able to string together, you know? Yeah. Um, It's actually really cool, like, there's actually, like, the developers' squad actually have a, like, educational branch of Kerbal Development Um, that's, like, included. They've, like, actually collaborated with NASA on some of the stuff. Like, there was a, a whole thing a while back where 
they they added uh basically like asteroids like um non you know planet moon like the the solar system existed as it has for a really long time but then they added like semi random asteroid stuff like yeah. actually collaborating with NASA to like you know see what their like what their mission profiles were like for like how they plan to interact with these things and like you know what sort of uh you know just just to figure out like how NASA actually has plans to interact with those things and like in uh like applying those plans and those technologies to Kerbal Space Program um like I I think as an educational tool Kerbal has uh uh, uh some really interesting applications too yeah absolutely <sighs> it it's a weird result for that game that's kind of really exciting and curious so. yeah okay so let's get into um so my next two games uh first up axiom verge yeah um like i was a big fan of super metroid it's one of my favorite games of all time and axiom verge kind of scratched an itch for me that I didn't really realize that I had for another game sort of in that style. Um, I think it does a really great job of like immediately immersing you in its really weird world. Um, like at the start of that game, like it's sort of a cliche, like you're a dude who has like some kind of amnesia and you wake up in this really strange place and there's like a voice talking to you, telling you like, Hey, there's a gun in the next room. You'll need it. Um, and I'm just like, oh, oh, okay. Um, sure. Where am I? Who am I? What's going on here? Um, and I think it does a good job of like keeping you guessing as to the nature of the world that you're in. Like, definitely a large part of that game is sort of figuring out like where you are and what got you to that point and what's going on. Yeah. Um, but like outside of that fiction, like it's also like just a really great game in that sort of like Metroidvania action, like exploration style. You get some really interesting and like varied tools to interact with the environment. And like some of them are cut from, you know, they're, they're straight from like that script of like, oh, you got like the higher jump power. And some of them are like completely bonkers like you eventually get the ability to shoot out like a little drone and then like the dude you were playing as just kind of slumps over and then you control the drone and you eventually get the power to swap the position of the drone and your dude i i also feel like you're you're skipping a, a thing with like a, you basically get a glitch gun in that game which just adds to the mystique of like what does this gun even mean for the narrative of this world yeah um and i feel like the eventual reveal of like where you are and what's going on isn't quite as interesting as some of the stuff they touch on in like there there's like straight up like text logs and stuff that you can find mm -hmm. um but like while you're playing the game just like the sense of mystery that you're living in is really great, I think. Yeah, like the the that's a good way of putting it that the mystery of what's going on is actually probably better than the the reveal of what it is. 
Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not so much what you find out, but it's the ways that you find out that are really good. Yeah. Like there's this, I, I don't want to ruin any of them, but like there are these specific storytelling moments that like were just kind of like chilling. Um, mm. when you realize like certain things about like, you know, what are these bosses that you've been seeing? Like, and, and like, what, what sort of history does your character have on this place? Because there is something there. And like, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil the game, but like, yeah, the, 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 the thing that you find out about how you're not just a stranger in a strange land and just figuring out what is my connection or it yeah. gets kind of nasty. Yeah. Um, um and I, I, I did really dig that. Like, I actually totally forgot, but I also played through this game till completion. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I did not remember that I played through it until just now when you, when you put it on your list. Um, <laughs> but that's because when I think about this game, like, I don't have any particular reference for Metroid games, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but also, just the way I remember playing through this game is like, hey, this is pretty good and solid, and then the grappling hook that they give you functioned so poorly that it brought down my opinion of the rest of the game. It was that yeah, bad. That grappling um, hook is really weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot I would want to say about this game, but I don't want to because I don't want to ruin it for everyone. But just like... You would need to do like a debriefing of just like, no, this is for after you've played the game. Yeah. Like... Yeah. We, we, we could do that sometime. That wouldn't be bad. Just right. like the the sort of tropes it plays around with in in what's going on in its fiction, like I love those those sorts of ideas so much. And even if they're not like executed like perfectly or whatever in this game, like I just sort of love the atmosphere that they provide. Um, and it's a fun game to play, and the music is really good um, because it is often like gross. It's a really gross game. But like gross in that interesting way where you want to see show me yeah. more gross. It's like what is why are there like red pulsing things in the wall? When I uh. died, like a jumble of red dots flew out of my body and flew to the weird egg that I appeared in in the world, and then the mysterious robot lady said that she saved my brain machines. <laughs> like God. Um but yeah, that's that's Axiom Verge. Um so next up is another uh one man show. Uh Axiom Verge, if you don't know, was was like sort of in the style of like a cave story or whatever, like the production of just one dude, uh Thomas Hap, I believe his name was. Uh that sounds familiar. Uh so next up is uh The Undertale. Uh also a one man show by Toby Fox, who I first became familiar with because he did a bunch of music for uh Homestock. Um, Undertale is a really good game. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, it it's the most, like, emotionally affecting game I've played in a really long time. Um, mm. and, like, I really love the use of music in that game. Like, my inner band geek is really in love with how, uh, like, Toby uses leitmotifs and, like, rearranges tracks to work for, like, multiple situations and kind of tie them together thematically. Yeah. Um, like, so the song that plays when you first encounter a ghost boss is 
kind of like is reused in like a swing jazz style when you fight this like possessed dummy thing and then also for another boss later on but also exists in like a super stripped down minimalistic version when you later visit that ghost in his home um it's really good <laughs> um yeah so i i don't want to say too much about it because actually i feel like um there was sort of like an immediate uh fervor over the game and like yep that that kind of spoiled um a, a lot of things about the nature of the game for me that i sort of think negatively affected uh like how i played it like i i don't even want to really bring it up because i feel like it it's something that people talk about with the game constantly but i feel like even telling somebody going into it will color their expectations so significantly that i don't yeah. even want to say it um that's fair but yeah like from the start like just the just the basic premise of the game where it's like this is a game where nobody has to get hurt right like that that is a phrase that was used to sell the game you know from the start and like it it plays around with sort of the expectations of like the rpg battle system and like uses even like really basic things like the game ui to really weird effect like that's something you've written about a lot so yeah so uh, that's the thing that like that's the 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 reason why I put a lot of attention on this game is what it does like with core game systems and and interest. This game does a lot of interesting subversions, I think, mm. uh, which is like that's kind of why it didn't make my list, and I had brought it up earlier was because it it's half because what I think this game did best is just show me something that I wish we saw everywhere else mm. uh so like as good as this was it's it's bittersweet in a sense because it's like as good as like as well as this is doing it like i'm mad that not everyone is doing this because like of course this is genius all they had to do was do it and you're ahead of the game but also um like the other side of it the other part where i think the game is really outstanding is in the part where you don't play it uh because uh, it's it's the part where like you can play through and you can have your experience, but it's it's sort of like the the part that really blew me away about this game was after I finished it and I I did a bit of a wiki dive to just look at all right well what did I miss and just the vast amount of stuff that I missed is what really astonished me about this game. It's about the stuff mm. that I didn't play. It's kind of like jazz. Um, to just see like how much work went in and how much player actions were how how many player actions were anticipated and accounted for mm. that you know I didn't see him I didn't do him but the idea that you know somebody is crazy and did it and it paid off for them and somebody you know Toby Fox said yeah no I'm here too where'd you think you were going like that that's the part that really like blew it away from me like like it so. But I kind of don't count that as part of the game experience. I count that as part of, like, the craft of the game. Like, if this were a list of, like, m like most, Im like, game devs who most impressed me this year, like, then it would mm. rank super high on it. But, like, for the experience of the game that I played, I really enjoyed it, but I don't 
necess- like it wasn't necessarily like top five experiences for me. Mm. Like it was definitely really good, and I'm sure it's it, you know it's something somebody should something people should see. But it's like, oh, well, you'll like it if you're really into this or this, or you know about this other thing, or you have these expectations. It's like the, the a general. It, it there are some prerequisites for a general enjoyment of it versus hitting a soccer ball with a car. There's a lot less you need to have in you before you see how fun that is, I guess. I don't know if I would agree with that. <laughs> That's fair. Because, like, for me, like, I, like I said, like, it, it's just a really... I don't know. Like, like I said, like it was just a really emotionally effective game. Like it was really funny when it was trying to be funny, and like really melancholy when it was trying to be melancholy. Um, yeah. And like, I'm I'm gonna say the thing that I didn't want to say before. Like this is a game that has multiple endings, and it it tracks what you do to like a startling degree, even between playthroughs and stuff. But for me, like my my canon ending to this game is the one where I went through the entire game like as a pacifist, made it to the final boss, and then was just like so overwhelmed by the implications of like what I needed to do there that he asked me like, listen, this is going to be the end. If you have anything else you need to do, you should take a step back and do them now. And I said, okay. And then my canning ending of the game is not going back there. That's really cool. That's a really good ending to have. Like, yeah. (laughs) So that's Undertale. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so the last game on my list. Uh, Last one. Last game of the year. This is the last video game. This is the The very last... What what was the game? What was the the last the human year's family? Twenty XX, uh, Robotron twenty forty four. Yeah, the year is twenty forty four. The last video game um, is Bloodborne. <sighs> Bloodborne. So I just got a PS four this month, um, and just started playing Bloodborne this month, and it is already one of my favorite games of the year, and possibly of longer than that. Um. So I've always been a fan of, like, this series. Like, it, you know, it doesn't have souls in the game, but, you know, it's by FromSoft. It's directed by Miyazaki. Like, it's a clear... Um, it is know, not a Souls game, but it is in a Souls style. Yeah, it, it it's a clear uh, descendant of that lineage. And it is a gothic fucking nightmare from minute one. Like, it is just like a lean and vicious game um hmm. i think that bloodborne and dark souls 2 both tried to fix problems that they saw in dark souls and demon souls hmm. uh but i think bloodborne was way more successful in doing so um like if you look at some of the changes like 
I think they saw a problem with, like, how endurance and stamina worked in these games. So, like, Dark Souls 2's answer was, like, well, what if we add more stats so that now the uh, the stat that gives you, like, equipment weight is different from the one that gives you stamina? So that way you can't just, like, get heavy armor and attack forever. And Bloodborne's solution was, what if we just get rid of equip weight? And what if we get rid of different roll speeds? And what if you're just always fast and murderous? Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, like, it's that's definitely something that's, like, like definitely a discreet decision to change the tone of the game, but I never thought of it as, like, trying to, like, fix a problem in tone with a, a previous game. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about... Um, just sort of like the mechanical changes between Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, and Bloodborne. So, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, like, like a huge departure was like, you know, there aren't really shields in this game. Like, the, the classical, you know, sort of sword and shield combat doesn't exist in this game, which I... Th- you kind of see to a lesser extent them trying to do the same thing in Dark Souls 2, where there are way less shields that actually give you, like, 100% physical defense. Yeah. Um, Like, they're still there, but, like, you know, they're not immediately available, and, like, they're heavy and things like that. I don't know, but, like, I think Bloodborne was more willing to go all the way with changes they wanted to make to the mechanics. Um, Yeah. Uh, Do you think... Mm-hmm. Do you think this game is going to have the same kind of legs? Because I know Dark Souls 2 had some issues uh, where just like it, it didn't have the same sticking power that Dark Souls 1 did, but like if this game is sort of a change in tone, but like an all-in one, I don't know. How, did, how do you think it's going to stick? Well, because I like you're, you're definitely into it. Have you like even finished one playthrough yet? No, and I did already start a second character. Um, okay, okay. That's... I think in in <laughs> in the long term, there definitely is less um, like diversity in playstyles than you could do in like Dark Souls games because there isn't like there there's sort of magic in this game, but not to the extent that there was in like Dark Souls and Dark Souls Two, where you could like specialize in different schools of magic and how those like change your playstyle and stuff like that, and there's less specific, like, individual weapons, but the weapons there are in the game are, like, way more diverse. Um, sure. So, you know, I don't think, like, if you've played this game for a long time, you can't really be like, okay, well, what if I try a playthrough where, you know, I do this build and only use these weapons because it's like there's just not as much diversity in builds and things like that. But, like, I don't know. I, I can't really say because, like, I, I haven't, like, I have only been engaging with it. You know, I have only been playing it for, you know, not even a month now. Mm. But it just struck you that strongly. That yeah. Like, oh, this is it. This is the thing. And, like, it it's a way more cohesive world than I think they've ever done. Um, mm. Like, even even Dark Souls, like... Part of the thing about that game is just how, like, densely packed 
and interconnected the world is, which they kind of got away from in Dark Souls 2, where it's like, no, there are actually, like, abstractions of space in that game where it's like, you know, the area between this zone and this zone, like, for it to make sense, it has to be, like, a couple days travel or something. That's really? just not, not that's not even represented in the game. Yeah. Huh. Like you like there are parts in that game where like you go through this weird like poison valley and then you fight the boss at the end and then you go up an elevator and then you you go up this elevator and you're suddenly in like a castle that is sinking into lava. Which was on top of the poisoned valley? I don't know. Um like it doesn't have that same uh craft when it comes to the the world and the space like bloodborne despite the fact that it tells you from the first instance that like the world you're seeing may be a dream like literally one of the first things that somebody says to you in the opening cutscene is like don't worry if you see anything that you can't process just think of it as a bad dream like it feels like you're you're in a really cohesive world um in the same way that like I wanted to be in an Orlando in Dark Souls. Like, I, I just feel like I'm in this really real place. And, like, in the same way that, like, Souls was sort of the key word to Dark Souls and Demon Souls and, you know, sort of informed the mechanics and the lore and just, like, everything about that game. Yeah. Like, the key word for Bloodborne is blood. And, like, in the same way, like, the mechanics, the lore, like, the way you level up and the way you interact with the worlds, like, they're all just fucking suffused with blood. <laughs> and it's just this this really complete, really disgusting, really gory world that I love being in. <laughs> um, like, it's just fucked up and horrifying and trying to figure out what got it that way, and if there's anything to do about it. And at this point, I don't think there is. And, like, I know that my character is moving towards some kind of end game. I don't know what it is. Um, I bet it's going to be terrible. Um, because I don't know if there's any way out of this fucked up dream. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you remember the end of that video... Uh, Kings of Power, four billion percent. Yeah, absolutely, How or could whatever you that was called. That where there's just like a cute angel, like spewing blood and guts over the screen and laughing at you, saying "Trapped in the dream forever." Oofoofoofoofoofoo. Yep, yep. That's basically Bloodborne. <laughs> okay. And after what you were saying about Axiom Verge, there's no wonder why this is like the top of your list. Yeah, <laughs> I I like being in fucked up weird places. Like, that's actually um, something about tabletop games uh, that I read a while back about, like, you can either be a weird thing or you can see a weird thing. And I kind of like being a weird thing in a fucked up weird place. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that that was my list. That's the end. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to name drop that we haven't already talked about? Actually, I'll just say one thing that was on my my like honorable mentions list. Um, it's actually a game that I didn't play, uh, and it's We Know the Devil. I didn't actually play We Know the Devil, and I regret it in every moment of my waking life. <laughs> 
Um, I have some other stuff that like I enjoyed, but weren't really close to making a, a big thing. Uh, there was some mm-hmm. level zero, which is like a roguelike, uh, descent clone. Uh, there's convoy, which was FTL, except with desert mm. dune buggies and stuff. So I like it a bit better. Uh, yeah, Convoy is a fun game. Stealth Inc. 2, because Stealth Bastard was a real cool game, and I got it in a Humble Bundle, and it's yeah. fun, and has co-op, so I need to get in on that. Uh, Mount Your Friends is in that same sort of smash area. It's like, oh, there's a party. We should pull out Mount Your Friends. Um, and Oh, actually, I do have another one Yo. Um, on the subject of being a weird thing. Um, it's a Twine game called Sabat, the Director's Cut by Ava, who you might know as Twitter user Ono Problems, is a game about turning into a monster and then having weird sex and then destroying the power structures of the world. It has, like, a really sweet, like, dirty, grungy metal soundtrack to it. (laughs) Um, Here, I'll give you you a, a quick slice of what you can expect from that game. Another muted howl, another nauseous rustling, and your heads bulge and shudder as the third wolf thrashes out of of you, still clamped within the mouth of the first. Then out comes another, and another. Finally, the howling stops, and you find yourself in possession of a pillar of gaping wolves' heads. <laughs> Just like you've always wanted! That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's gross. It sounds like, uh... Oh, that sounds great. I may have to look into that. Uh, but alright, I think that's going to do it. These gyros might be cold by now. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. I haven't touched my gyro, Nick. It's stone cold. Uh, well, it's a good thing we have this roaring fire right here. Uh, so what do you say we shut this down and we go and, uh, tackle those? That sounds great. Alright. Uh, I'll just let the people at home know that, uh, this has been Late Night Gaiden Holiday Special. We are an Elite Crew Studios podcast. Uh, You've heard from RJ and Andrew, who are co-hosts on No Credit Continue, which is our uh, sister podcast where we talk about freeware video games that you can just get and play and have fun with. And we got a special visit from Joe, who is my co-host on Orbiting the Ghost Planet, which is a Space Ghost Coast to Coast rewatch podcast. Um, And you will actually be getting another holiday edition episode next week. Nice. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, give us feedback, tell us about things that you would like to hear us talk about or have thoughts on, uh, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can, uh, get us on Twitter. We're at Aliku. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Aliku. We, uh, there's usually posts up there and we're on it enough that we'll respond if you talk to us there. Uh, and then there's always the, at this point, old school way. You can send us an email, podcast at AlikuStudios.net. Um, if you're listening to this, you might be listening through our webpage, in which case, look around. We got webcomics, we got games, we got other podcasts, we got cool stuff. If you'd like another way to get our podcasts, you can find us on iTunes. Just search for Elite Coup and everything is up there. If you want to give us, uh, ratings and reviews and just let us know and let the other people know what you think of us, that'd be really great. It would help us out a lot. Also, if you want to, you can find us on YouTube, uh, where we are hopefully going to be putting up, uh, more video content in the near future. I've been playing Mario Kart Wii for some reason, uh, and I think I'm just going to end up going through that. Hopefully my brain doesn't melt in doing so. God. Uh, so come and join us and with 
watching all of that. Yeah, look forward to our look forward to our cooperative uh, XCOM two playthrough come February. But okay, I think that's going to do it. Thank you for spending time with us at this uh, very uh, holiday rific time of year. We wish only the best to you and your loved ones. We hope you're spending time with people that you care about, just like we are. Yeah, and uh, thank you very much. We will talk to you next year. Happy holidays, friends. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.